Polar water for me. I do not. Thank you. You have a whole fridge full of seltzers, but not the special flavors. Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, September 28th, 2021, alongside Ian Ferguson. Kind of tastes like Fruit Loops. I'm Pat Contry. Don't rub it in, Ian. On the show today, we'll be talking about the Nintendo Direct, directly Nintendo to you. Ian has passed on from his game store life. Are your old games worth anything? Also, maybe uh, an ethical dilemma for the Patreon poll topic as well. And other fun stuff. Ian, how was how was your weekend? It was good. My, my, my buddy. I, uh, my, I My pal. I grilled two kinds of hot dogs uh, this weekend. Uh, it's very nice. Um, I grilled uh, both from Iowa Farms, my favorite butcher uh, shop in San Diego. Okay. Um, one was the carne asada hot dog. Uh, they're spicy. They're delicious. They're wonderful. All beef hot dogs, uh, mixed with delicious, wonderful carne asada spices. Uh, but the other hot dogs I got were the, uh, uh, skin on Franks. I haven't had a skin on hot dog in ages or a natural casing hot dog. Is like more like a sausage? No, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you know, the hot dog twisty thing, you know, the hot dogs, like you grill them and they get all charry and delicious. Yeah. And they, they, they crackle a little bit. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, a, that's a natural casing hot dog. They're delicious. I thought that's most of the hot dogs will go on the grill. No, well, I mean, it, it's most of the hot dogs that you should be grilling. I, mean, oh, I see. Because a lot of them are pre-cooked already. So you can just... like, like Oscar Mayer and Ballpark and Cons and Bar S and other bullshit like that. Frank just goes for the Hebrew Nationals. The kosher dogs are great. Those are good. Those are great. Those are good. Those are solid. That'll make me sick. Like the overly processed ones, shit ones make me sick. No. Or used to. No, the butcher shop ones are definitely going to be a higher, higher grade. Uh, higher grade of. Weren't you supposed to make me something with, with the hatch chilies by now? Yeah, I'm going to. I just haven't uh-huh. yet. Uh-huh. I've, okay. I've been. All right, no rush. I'm, you know, it's slow. Intermittent fasting. That's fine. That sounds like a good weekend, though. Yeah, hot dogs. Uh, and I worked my last later shift, but we'll get into that That'll later. That'll be a full topic. Yeah. That'll be a not so common podcast style oh, segment. Good. Uh, what did you do this weekend? I edited a Flea Market Madness. Volume 41 is out right now. Oh, 41. That's a lot. That's a, well, I, I've done five this year. Wow. I, I was only doing like one or two years since I moved to Castle Country. And now it's like, if I do five a year, they're going to be done in two years. 2023, a 50th anniversary of my YouTube channel. That's going to be it for Flea Market Madness. That's that's it. That's how they're basically being being, being done, <laughs> it looks like. So like five or six next year, then five or six the yeah, after that, keeps you keeps you keeps you putting out that content. Well, yeah, because the NES Punk stuff fell off, obviously, uh, for lots of reasons. Um, but um, I'm still going to do one or two this year. I did one. I did two last year. I did three the year before. That could have been the end. That Christmas episode of 2019. That was almost like uh, prof- prophetic in terms of like like in terms of for the world change, but also was that the last one I was in? Was that the one where you had me record something at Luna? I don't think you recorded for that one. Did you? For the Christmas one? For two years ago, 2019? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. It was, it was, it was the, it was the uh, days before Christmas, the PAL exclusive Super Nintendo game. Oh, no, I don't think I I did. literally edited that two hours before my flight. It was done. And it was, and it rendered without a hitch. 
I went to see my parents in Pennsylvania and my sister. Something told me to just go see him because obviously if I didn't, I wouldn't have seen him for like a year and a half. Right. So it was, it was super weird. Remember, I was like, oh, yeah, well, I went but December 23rd. And it surprised my mom. She was crying probably because she didn't want to see me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Why are you here? We were I don't want to see you. We wanted to be quiet. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, that could have been the last NES Punk episode, though. Like, I, the way I ended it, it could have been. Mm. I know you didn't see it. No, that one I didn't. It was one of my better episodes. My writing's gotten stronger the past ones. Less silliness, less, less, less uh, extraneous things, you know? Nothing will beat Frank, though, for uh, berating me with a megaphone. Mm. 100 degree heat. Wall. No, that was very good. That was very good. Thanks. Thanks again for admitting that. Not that I did well. You won't say that, but like it was good. Like I, I was involved with it, but I didn't do it. You've done Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Hold back those compliments until I'm, I'm therapy. Um, yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> Disney, speaking of creativity, Disney is suing both Stanley and the Steve Ditko estates over Marvel IP stuff since they um, are trying to terminate the copyrights and have them revert back to the creators in 2000. In 23, I don't know much about this copyright rule. Uh, I know in general it's around like 70 years, and it, it changes based upon when they change the laws. There's like a there's like a graph in terms of like when the copyrights run out, depending upon when they were created. They vary widely. Like in the 1800s, it was like only 20 years. Well, no one lived that long back then anyway. No, but now then it like got got wider and wider. By 20, you uh, had a few grandchildren. But by by 20. By 20, yeah, you're a great grandpappy when you're 38 and you're, you're a couple of years left to go. Yeah, you had to get those kids in quick to sustain the human race uh, back then. Uh, but Hollywood Report reported that Marvel has filed five lawsuits against the families of Ditko, Gene Colan, not as familiar with him, and, and Stan Lee, claiming that the superheroes they created are ineligible for copyright termination as they were created as works for hire on a contractual basis. Uh, in the admittedly unlikely event the outfit loses, then ownership of every big name that the aforementioned trio originated would be out of Marvel's hands, effectively blowing a hole in the MCU and losing both Kevin uh, Fiji's Feige? Is it Feige or Fiji? I don't forget. Uh. Production house and costing Disney billions upon billions of dollars. Okay. So Ditko is a co-creator of Spider-Man. I mean, he, he did the, the fucking design. Uh, he doesn't get enough credit. Uh, he, he also created a Doctor Strange. Other stuff. Obviously, Stan Lee was involved in creating Spider-Man and a bunch of other 60s uh, heroes. Uh, not as familiar with Gene Cullen. So, um, Siegel and what? Siegel and Schuster, who created uh, Superman back in, what, 38? Jesus Christ, that long ago. Um, they tried to sue DC to get the rights back to their states, and they lost that. Uh, they lost that battle. I don't know if this is going to be different. I think this is be a should be just a payout. Just pay him out. Pay pay the pay the pay the families out. Just yeah. give, give them a fucking payout. That's all. But if this happens, that means you can't have Marvel Spider Man comics or toys, or it won't be in the movies. It would be the rights of the estate to license them out to whoever the hell they wanted to. They'd be totally independent properties, which you can't imagine that happening. But it's not out of their own possibility. Yeah, that, that would be insane. They'd yeah. be like, it'd be, DC be like, hey, we want to license Spider-Man to hang out with, with the Teen Titans, and they, they could they could do it. Like it would be a possibility, or there'd be like just an independent, random ass, wacky Spider-Man show that isn't associated with Marvel as we know it. Like that could happen. Weird. 
people people were like saying, oh, they're asking for too much money. It's like, well, give these fa- give, give the family something. Come the on. fucking families of the creators. Come on, give them something. Give and, them something. And the, the the fucking corporate worship that I've yeah, seen weird. the past couple days is just absolutely gross. Give them something. So many people so concerned about. I want product. Yeah, you have fucking decades of it. Eat shit. <laughs> I no, no, I have no patience had for people like sixty this. years of Spider-Man content, and every you have. Uh, I think that Amazing Spider-Man is up to like eight hundred issue or so. Like it's. <laughs> it's I just. Uh oh, you don't you don't want to get get a, a blowback. <laughs> I I don't care. Um, obviously, it's weird though because we're we're actually attacking the corporation, but it's it's whiny fans, fanboys that are are going to be the ones that are. They're siding with them to get their product. You're right. It's really a weird situation. It's very, very strange to see people do that. I just look. I understand. Like we all like Spider-Man. In all seriousness, yes, I understand. I people don't want these characters to go away. People like the MCU. They like the Marvel Universe. They wouldn't go that away is, though. Right? They wouldn't go away. They wouldn't. They just have to be licensed out. Right. I mean, if I own, but that's that's what drives me nuts. Is that th- no matter what happens, this character is not going to go away. But these people can't handle the thought of being inconvenienced without like, their content <laughs> for fucking a, a few years. You think the family of Stanley and Ditko don't want to make money off Spider-Man yeah. movies? Or it's not like they're going to take Spider-Man and throw him in a safe and yeah, you're never going to see Spider-Man they're not, again. They're not doing this not to make money off it. Well, unless you're an insane person, yeah, I, I own the most popular, one of the most popular comic book characters on the planet and the top is one of the top three usually along with like superman and batman i'm gonna put them in a trunk somewhere and not use them but no that's insane that's insane but they'd have the right to do that potentially we'll see what happens i think it's interesting that's all I mean, god imagine what once these, oh, once the copyrights start running out for video game characters oh man talk about fanboyism mm-hmm. that's gonna be something yeah you know i don't know how, how you're gonna take it as a sonic fanboy Ian, when Sega might lose the copyright to that eventually when you're when you're seventy five years. As a Sonic fan, I'm I'm pretty used to bullshit. You're used to bullshit. I'm used to bullshit. So I, I'm not really super concerned. Speaking of bullshit, Ian. Yeah. You see these Pokemon uh, Oreos? Okay. I've been hearing about this past week or two. Yeah. You're the Poke Pokemon man on the street, so you know about this stuff more than me. I just think they're cute. I just think they're swell. I just think they're neat. Um, the Pokemon Oreos. Uh, so yeah, Nabisco made Pokemon Oreos with the different Bisco. Pokemon in, uh, you know, branded into uh, the one side of the chocolate cookie. And apparently, some are harder to find than others. And oh people God. are trying to uh, sell like the Mew Oreos. Are they really? Yeah, up on for um, more money. Um, there is, which yeah. means they'd have to take it out as a loose cookie. Like, yes, hundred dollars or best offer. There's, but there's, you know how many? They're so rare that this is just the insane people that have taken them out. There's seven thousand of them. Yeah, on they're eBay. not that rare, and that's the thing. A cookie company is not going to create a mold to make three fucking cookies or like a hundred, yes. right? And then you know, just sneak them into rare, rare, random packages. It's, it's a it's a chase cake. There you are, chase cookie. You got to find it. I mean, okay, there have been like contests uh, and stuff like that, but no, that was being bid on for three twenty five, but it's for charity. One is not, uh, bid on. 20 bucks like 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 for 20 bucks can't you just buy like 10 of these packs of cookies like what's a pack of little oreo like two three bucks like two bucks for like a little single pack a dollar what's yeah a single pack but like? i think cents i don't know i no not 50 cents man it's not nineteen. Well, a box of oreos costs three four dollars so yeah. like a single pack of those are usually like a buck 25 
That's wow, not, wow, they gouge you on those single yeah, packs. They absolutely do. Wow, um, I didn't know that, Ian. I love Oreos. I, I refuse to buy them. I like Hydrox. I'm Hydrox. I refuse to buy Oreos. Why do you refuse to buy them? Uh, because I fucking like them too much. I, use, you'll eat a whole fucking I sleeve. Will, no, I will eat the whole box. I will. I will. Do they have sleeves of those? They're not sleeves. No, it's a, a it's tray. A, it's just a tray. I'll eat the whole fucking thing. Is it just the sugary? Is it the cream? I, I don't know. It's just it's 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 a per. No, it, it, I think it's more the chocolate cookie that I I, I really like. Oh god, the Oreos are so. Do you good. dip or do you, do you untwist and lick? What, what's your technique? Uh, <laughs> just shovel, <laughs> shovel, shovel is my technique. By the Oreos, um, and it's no, but it's true. They're they're like there are lots of things that I love uh, and I buy and I enjoy, and people know about them. But I don't buy Oreos and I don't talk about Dude. Oreos because I don't want people to buy now me I want Oreos. You, now I want you to have. I like. Them now too I want much. you to have the OG Hydrox and see if it's the same reaction. Because they were before Oreo yes. Hydrox. I've had Hydrox before, and I, I have not had them in a long time, but I remember thinking there was a difference and not particularly caring for them. I bet you if I went back to it now, maybe I'd think different. They don't sell them out here. That's, it's like, oh, like, they don't? I don't think they do. I say, it's, I, it's, I, a Drake, last... it's a Drake thing. It's regional, because they, they made those in the East Coast. Okay. And then Oreo Nabisco basically stole the idea, just like Hosa stole all the ideas from OG Drake's. Case. Last time I had them was you know maybe i thought they were close enough to oreos they're close here's here's their Oreos were cheaper so we always got hydrox instead of oreo i think i think you're right i think i remember them being closer because when it comes to like name brand and off-brand things leaf bought them nothing i i there's there's such a big difference between oreos in like store brand chocolate cream sandwich cookies. They don't even taste remotely the same. Except for Hydrox. Yes. And now I remember Hydrox being kind of in that. Because it came out in 1908. In that Oreo camp. It came out in 1908. It came out um, Sunshine Biscuits. Owned it until 96. Then Keebler bought them for five years. And then Kellogg. And then Leaf owns the brand now. What the fuck? Now it's just a brand name. I'm so, so I guess if you find them now, maybe they won't taste the same. Maybe yeah. They came, Oreo came out four years after Hydrox, so mm-hmm. they're 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 back back in the the teens, like fucking uh, Titanic days. Was that nineteen twelve? About interesting. I want to see. Oh, there was a lawsuit back then between <laughs> between Oreo and Hydrox. The thing about Hydrox was it's so plain the design. There was no marketing. Oreo is all the marketing in the yeah. name. Hydrox sounds like a fucking penicillin substitute that's what i mean what is hydrox, oh, hydrox doesn't sound yeah it doesn't it's, it's, it's a cleaning solution it does right, not no, sound like a it, cookie it absolutely sounds hydrox like, is the absolutely worst name sounds like a cleaning solution uh now this is turning into a this is turning into a, a cookie hydrox cast. in 1908 when the cookie was created the creator sought a name that would convey purity and goodness oh my god and derive their choice from the component elements that constitute the molecule of water i did not know that i should have so it's hydrogen oxygen. They are not pure. No, it's, 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 they're great. <laughs> they're it's, it's pure sugar goodness. <laughs> wow. On a, on the cookies' hundredth anniversary, Kellogg's resumed distribution of Hydrox under the Sunshine label, with the first batches shipped in late August two thousand eight. Hydrox aficionados have bombarded Kellogg's with thousands of phone calls and an online petition asking that production resume. The recipe was slightly altered on, from the original. Tr- and trans fats were removed. Oh, you gotta love those trans fats. The cookies were available nationally for a limited time. And then less than a year later, Kellogg's have removed Hydrox from their website. You motherfuckers. Oh, Carvel so- sold ice cream goods manufactured with Hydrox cookie crumbs until 2012. I did not know that. They're cookie crumbs with Hydrox. You gotta stand up for your East Coast food chains. Why are you leading in? You wanna know a fun fact? As much as I love Oreos, not a big fan of cookies and cream ice cream. 
you moved back about 18 inches. I was very uncomfortable. I think you ever yeah. did that before. I, I, that was, you don't like cookies and cream? They used, to be my, they, used to, they used to be my favorite ice cream. I, like, used a, to be. I like a cookies and cream milkshake, but so there's something about cookies and cream ice cream where it just makes me want either vanilla or the cookies. It's a tease? It's weird. It's like you're like a, you're I'm like, weird. You're like it's like a junkie. You got issues. I won't tease you at ultimatenor.com. Oh, you can, you can, all right. There's no tease. You can you can order and get the get the enamel pins. You can get the RBI baseball stickers, the ultimate Nintendo books, the not for resale Blu-rays. You can get all that. There's no tease. T-shirts. <laughs> T-shirts. I'm not going to tease you. It's stop. You, you, don't ruin it. <laughs> it was good enough. It's good enough. I'm going over the line. Um, and then uh, I'm going to be on Twitch. On Wednesday, twitch.tv slash country code, uh, doing 80s and 90s commercials. And then uh, I'm on Cameo, cameo.com slash pat country. I will fulfill all your needs. Doesn't sound right, but mm-hmm. yeah. And then I'll be at Too Many Games in a week and a half, October 8th to 10th in Oaks, PA. I'll be doing a panel there. I'm not sure I'll be doing the Play the Punk Challenge because of COVID stuff. You want people close to each other. But yeah, it'll be a fun time. That'd be a fun time. I know that I'll be at, I'll be at Retropalooza two weeks after that in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Sweet, <laughs> sweet like your seltzer lemon water. Like my oh, that's that's not a, that's a, that's a common flavor. Yeah, it's a very common flavor. Like I thought it was one of those weird ones. No, that you only get a, like like cranberry lime or something that I want. cranberry lime is a fairly common flavor too. They don't have it at Sprouts. They only have like three or four flavors at Sprouts in the really? bottle. Hmm. They don't have cans. Only the bottles. Pink grapefruit, black cherry, yes, yes. lime. Lemon? They don't have lime there. Lemon there. That's sprouts. They have the fucking coconut one? No. And they have the plain one? No. I don't want a plain... I don't want a plain one. Sorry, I don't want a plain one. I love plain, but you know what my favorite My favorite polar seltzer is? And I, I for a long time, I was like, I, didn't, I don't think I'm going to like this, but I do. The ginger. Never had that. The ginger mule? Yeah. It just tastes like unsweetened ginger. It's delicious. Okay. Uh, Ex-Billy Mitchell site debunks his scores. Perfectpacman.com. Mitchell's old domain name. Mitchell is now being used to debunk the Pac-Man Donkey Kong players' contentious records. This comes from Ari Notice at Kotaku. Um, so if you go to that website, have you gone to the website? Have you checked it out? No, I haven't. You go to the website. The first thing you see is an article saying, or I guess a post. The first thing is from September 27th. The video game fraud of the century, dot eight. Um, I guess it's a, it's a long line of like the history of Billy Mitchell, alleged... Uh, Misnomers like the weird uh, video game player of the century award that really wasn't an award that was given to him. In uh, you see that thing you heard about that that's on here. There's all these different articles here. So yeah, no, I'm looking through it. This is a pretty well organized uh, takedown. So of old Bill Mitchell. The first, and so this happened on August 31st under new management. Welcome to our new blog, PerfectPacman.com. This blog will be dedicated to gaming related topics of interest to us. If you like what you see, just give us a whistle. Disclaimer, the new site administration has no affiliation with any liars and or cheaters and or narcissistic frauds who may have owned this web domain in the past, but we appreciate the free advertising, LOL. <laughs> wow, that's pretty funny. And there's other articles there as well, but it looks like there had been something. There was one post in July the nothing, and nothing then before that for until December so yeah, they, they it must have been defunct. Billy let, let it lap. Billy let, let it, it lapse. lapse, and now there you go. You can read all about alleged uh, naughty things being done by the, the the video game player of the century, which is just a funny thing to even say out loud, isn't it? It is. Who? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> 
just pin the metal on your shirt and go off. People are obsessed with titles. Why are people so obsessed with titles? That's all they have to hold on to. I, like I, it's an ego thing, Ian. So much of like what we've talked about lately, like it's can all boil down to titles and people wanting titles. Shit at WADA and in the game grading. People want titles. People want uh, Tommy has to be a fucking CEO. This guy has to be the video game fucking player of the year. Why does everyone need well, a goddamn title? Well, it's, all, it's also all the awards that Tommy you know gets that he. Oh yeah, counts. sure, yes. Uh, and yes. half of those are connected uh, to like organizations he started. Or, you know. or, or they're Orange County specific to, like, the six square blocks downtown. <laughs> the local Riverside Musicians uh, game, game Composer Award. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You want to talk about Nintendo Direct, Ian? Uh, yeah, I'd rather. I like your mood today, Ian. Uh, I'd rather talk about the Nintendo. I am so tired. I, it's real insomniac hours up here again. Um, I miss insomniac, Ian. Huh? <laughs> I miss insomniac, Ian. Oh, yeah. Here he is. Huh? What? Here he is. What? What? Ivani caught me like falling asleep with my eyes open a couple times yesterday. She's like, hey, what? I'm like, Whoa. She's you, like, you do you, that? She's like, your eyes were wide open. I'm like, I I was gone. I was long gone. But you said, but that's not being an insomniac. That's just being No, no, I mean because I didn't sleep the night before, I was really shitty yesterday. Oh, it's like me after a marathon where yeah. I'm just like I, I I'm like falling asleep. I just couldn't again. I couldn't sleep. Anyways, Nintendo Direct. Nintendo It's for breakfast now. Direct. It was on the 23rd. It was on a Thursday. The Thursday for the we, ladies. We went back and forth too much trying to figure it was out. Was Wednesday or Thursday? It was it was Thursday. Wednesday or Thursday. Um, yeah, this is in the intro because it's five days old. So it's close to spoilage uh, in terms of stuff. So there was lots of things announced. Uh, let's go through some of them, shall we? Yeah, there's a nice game spot. I love these articles that do my work for me. And just like, I, I watched some of the direct, but I didn't watch all of it. So, big one, uh, one of the biggest. What, 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 Ian? Big, 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 big news. Uh, <laughs> Don't you make fun of me? <laughs> Someone put in a lot of time and effort to make that sound. You clip. did a good job with it. I didn't do it. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh. Um, Bayonetta 3. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, duck. It's a chick. Sorry, quackers. Um, what is a duck? Bayonetta 3 was the last game announced uh, of, of the stuff that I think people really want to see um, from a Nintendo Direct. Metroid Prime 4, uh, whatever the Breath of the Wild sequel is called. Well, they know it's coming, but they want it, you know. Right. Um, Bayonetta 3 is a big one because that was announced in 2017 and nothing had been seen of it. And that was announced for since. the Wii. It's like, oh, the Wii's coming out. We're going to have it four years. Wow. Was it? Not? I don't think it. No, it was announced for the Switch. Yeah, well, I mean, that's when, that's when the Switch came out, four years ago. Oh, oh, you said the Wii. Oh, God, really? Did I? God, I'm out of it, too. You and did. I, and I slept. And you slept. I had, I had a dream with the Incredible Hulk was attacking me in the ring, and then it was a battle royal, then someone hit Andre the Giant with a chair, and he fell out of the ring. The Incredible Hulk or Hulk Hogan? Incredible Hulk. Oh, okay. Which is where the name comes from. Yeah. That's why Marvel had a tip with him for a while and got a payout of royalty. Did you know that? Sorry, go on. Hulk Hogan looks like he stinks all the time. Just looks like one of the smelliest motherfucking dudes. Uh, so, 
<laughs> this is how I feel. I'm just letting you know how I feel. Um, so, anyways, yeah, Bayonetta 3, are you excited? I am. Moving on. Um, <laughs> there was Monster Hunter Rise, the expansion. Sunbreak was announced. Uh... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that it looked interesting to me. He was lost over that there's like monster battles in it. Yes, it does, that it looks does cool. look cool. Yeah. You control different types of monsters. A kaiju, you're a kaiju guy, right? I'm a kaiju guy. He just glanced over that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pain three. three. That looked interesting. And people people, you know, obviously, you know, fanboys dream you know, looks like the Baroness. I like her just because of that alone. Um Monster Hunter. What? I got it that so the uh, original Monster Hunter Rise was feudal Japan kind of area mm-hmm. uh, era. This looks like it might be like feudal European. Uh, this expansion, which okay. could be interesting, it could be a neat way to play off of the same time period or same ish time period, what? but do like different styles. Okay, what about this Chocopo GP thing? So I'm excited about this. Uh, they did not the talk f- about what? this though because I am fairly certain this is just a port. Of the original PlayStation Chocobo Racing, which okay. I had and I loved because as a person with a PlayStation, the one thing that I missed was having a kart racer. And I was never into like Crash, so I didn't get CTR, so Good I played you, Chocobo Racing. That's uh, adorable. It's adorable. Like, there's a little rollerblade one. But it looks like I, I'm, I'm fairly... They did a remake of the original Chocobo Racing for Switch and then stopped talking about it. Like again, like three years ago, they announced Six, it. Sixty-four player bracket tournament mode. That sounds cool. A tournament could mode be neat. Could be cool for a kart series. Um, I also liked it because you, uh, as you collected the same power ups multiple times, yeah. it would upgrade the spell to stronger levels when you would fire off your weapon. Oh, that's like the Lego Racers. Uh, or you I, I believe uh, Diddy Kong did that too. That's I, like Lego Racers. You get the same the same power up, and you increase the power up like four different levels or mm-hmm. whatever. Mod Nation Racers did it as well. It's uh, I like that. That's a good alternative. Yeah, it, it, it's it's nice. You pick, you pick if you want defense or offense. There's a little know. bit of strategy involved, strategy. you know. Too. What uh, about Kirby in the Forgotten Land? I uh, am really into this. I love uh, the Kirby weird cast away here. What happened to my little your little guy? Huh? What happened to Kirby? I don't know. We're we're gonna find face out. Face first on the beach, um, like Link in Awakening. But it's post-apocalyptic looking, like cute is post-apocalyptic it? looking. Yeah, it's. Just, I mean, he's walking around. I think it's it. post-apocalyptic. He's just on a like a banded island. Yeah. Well, I don't apocalyptic. I'm just saying it gives you that vibe. He's like going through like a mall that's abandoned. Yeah. And it's like, so it's going to be like an adventure. Okay. Um, I think this is the first truly 3D 3D adventure. Oh, big crocodile. 3D Watch, uh, Kirby game. Watch out, Kirby. Oh, this looks adorable. It looks adorable, Ian. You solve a little mystery of what's happening here. Solving a mystery. Um, going triangle strategy looks interesting just because it's a Square Enix looking. Yeah, and it uses RPG. the um, <clears throat> it uses the what do they call two D? I can't remember what they have a name for it, but it uses the two D three D graphic style that was uh, first done with Octopath Traveler. I hate and, that name. Uh, good game though, and. Uh, they're doing it with the Dragon Quest Three remake. I love that visual style, um, and I do like strategy games. I'm awful at them, but I love to sit there and stroke my chin and be like, "Mm-hmm, that's what we're doing," and then watch everything go to fucking shit. It's great, <clears throat> but I like to feel uh, smart. You, you don't have confidence in your strategy, uh, your military strategy, Ian? No, I'm not a general. Oh, 
not general. Yeah, enough civilization playing. You got it yet? So that's what trained me back in, back when I was 15, 14 years old. Castlevania Advanced Collection. Okay. Yep, that's out. That was one of their uh, surprise drop announcements where they're like, and it's coming out later today. Yeah. Um, this is great. It's three of the best Castlevania games, um, and they're all getting pretty expensive. So this collection is nineteen ninety nine. Comes with Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Dissonance, and Aria of Sorrow. Uh, Aria of Sorrow, oh. Sorrow alone, I think, is like a fifty to eighty dollar game at the moment. Um, oddly, they included Dracula X. The uh, Super Nintendo version of Rondo of Blood, which is not very good. Mm -hmm. Don't know why they felt they had to tack it on. Hey, it's a freebie. That's cool. But uh, why not the actual version of Rondo of Blood? That is better. So. Yo. Splatoon, go, go, go. Splatoon 3. Go, go. Splatoon 3. Go. I feel like we're doing, an, uh, we're, we're, this is like a workout. I'm sweating. Um, <laughs> Splatoon 3 was uh, already announced, but they showed more gameplay. Uh, it looked like there's going to be like yeah. little mechs that people can get into and, 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 and fight in during the uh, uh, team battles. And they talked a bit about the story mode, which uh, is going to show the return of mammals to the world of Splatoon. What happened to the mammals? Well, there's never been any mammals in Splatoon, except for Judd the cat. Judd. Does that explain what happened with Judd? Was it a scientific experiment? They have talked a little bit about Judd. What's the lore? I, I, you, you know, honestly, you'd have to, I'd have to call in Vani on this one. I don't really know. So, it, so the evolution in the Splatoon world never had mammals. It stopped at... No, all the mammals disappeared. Oh, they disappeared? They disappeared. At one no, point. We don't know what happened to them. No one knows what happened. The world has just been no, these squid kids is there a fossil, running around. Is there, is there a fossil record? There are some fossils, yes. The story mode in Splatoon is very, very strange. I'm like, interesting. I want to know the backstory yeah, yeah, here. This it, is going to be a very, very dark place. It, it gets a little weird and dark. Yeah, it does. Okay, I just uh, want to know the story now. But yeah, the, uh, the only mammals in the Splatoon world are uh, Judd and uh, Judd Jr., I'm calling an audible on the switch online. That's going to be a full topic. I said screw it. It's going to be a full topic. Okay, fine. Sorry that that Ian. So uh, so um that that was interesting, right? Anything more on Castlevania? Anything else that came up before I, I get into my fucking rant? Not rant, but I talk about Actraiser. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say a couple more things. Okay. I I think one of the games that people are sleeping on that looks particularly interesting to me is the Voice of Cards uh, Isle Dragon Roars game, where everything is done via card representation. Uh, being written by Yoko Taro, who wrote uh, and created Near One and Two, which have got huge fan bases now. Um, I like the art. I like any video game that includes the trappings of. Uh, tabletop games. So I love video games that use cards. I love video games that show dice or tokens or something like okay. your. I never got into card games. Um, um, it, it's no. It, it, this looks more like a normal RPG, not like a trading card game. But still. And then uh, a game that was not on the direct that I don't want people to sleep on because I think it's really good. Uh, Beast Breaker. Okay. Um, it's by the same guy who did Threes, a popular phone game. He did a couple other things. Uh, Beast Breaker is. Super fun. It's a kind of like puzzle game RPG. You play as a little mouse uh, that's very adorable with a sword and a shield. And you fight large creatures. And the creatures are all built out of segments. And you aim the mouse with, uh, you know, a line. And you fire it off like you would. And the mouse bounces around and hits different things. And it takes the different segments, hit points down and... There's all sorts of fun things that are involved. I, I think it's interesting the PR campaign that that small rodents have done the past fifty to sixty years. Oh yeah, they used to be known for pestilence and death. Yep, 
Um, killed, now they're just the cutest goddamn killed, killed most of Europe. Um, and now it's like, oh, we love all mice and rats, and they're the most adorable. I just think it's funny. They're adorable. I'm not, I'm not judging rats or mice one way or the other. If you're a, a mouse out there, I'm not saying whether that's good or bad that you had this PR thing. Good for you. Make that, make that bank. You know, I'm overheating. You talk a little bit about actors. You, are, you something's going on with you. You're, you're, you're like energy's going like up, and then like it's like you're recharging. Then you're coming back. Yep. You, you leaned into me. I felt uncomfortable. It was very, very alpha for you to do. I was scared. Now I'm leaning back, relaxed, maxed, relaxed. Ready to hear about ActRaiser. So, yeah. So I'm on Twitter. And I know the Nintendo Direct's going on. Sometimes I watch the entire Nintendo Direct from the beginning. And I, I watch the insanity on the Twitch stream. People are just like, you know, boring or where is Zelda? I'm 14. I don't know what these games are. You know. So I see ActRaiser come up. Like someone retweeted. I'm like, what? ActRaiser Renaissance. Was out that that day. That day. That day. The, the good old the, the 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 Fire Pro marketing method. It's coming out like right now, and it's out. Usually with Fire Pro, it's like within the month. I like this better. It's out now. So I've been. It's funny because like the past few weeks, after has come up. I was like, you know, a game you want to see a sequel to, yeah. or whatever, or, or like a remake, and it comes up from time to time because it, there, we've never had a game. You know, we ha- well, we did have the Sega one that you played. What was the Sega one called that was like the spiritual wannabe successor? It wasn't a Sega one. Was it Sega published? You, uh, oh, maybe, but it wasn't made by them. Um, it was uh, Soul, Soul something. Soul something. And that, that wasn't well-reviewed. No, it sucked. I didn't. I, I don't want to be too mean, but yeah, I did not like it. It was Soul something. But anyway, so I didn't even try that because I don't want to be dis- Soul Seraph. Soul Seraph. What is that on Metacritic? Let me see. Metacritic. Soul Serif. Yeah, it was Sega. Uh, Ian, you know, you got to give me credit once in a while when I know about modern games. Every, every once in a while. Be like, give me a little pat in the head and be like, Pat, Pat, you did a good job. I'm going to bring you some pat, chili. Pat. Soul um, uh, made a critic. 53%. <laughs> it's not good. Man. Only 20 votes. Okay, so Square Enix is like, you know what? We see this shitty version. We're going to do it. I, I guarantee that's probably what happened because that was two, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. That game came out. So this is a, a remake of the 91 act razor that uh, Quintet uh, developed. And uh, was, it, was it just Enix at the time? Was it for the combination? It's just Enix. Just Enix published. One of my favorite Super Nintendo games. I gave it a glowing full-page review in a certain Super Nintendo guidebook. It did is, you give it five? I did. I was like four and a half. I was like, if I'm willing to go four and a half on this, I'm like, I got to go five because I can just talk about this game forever. And it's a game where... It seems like people that like it really love this game. It's almost you can't be like, well, I think it's all right. You have to really sink your teeth in this game. If you don't know what it is out there, you listen to the wrong podcast. But it's a combination action platform with sim uh, building uh, villages up, which is extremely unique. Um, obviously, I've been waiting forever for uh, a game to do it again before the the, the crappy Sega version. Uh, even the sequel didn't do it. The sequel stripped out the sim part. And why is why is that important? Because the game has a very heavy-handed spiritual religious tone to it. Uh, in Japan, you were playing as God, taking on the devil and, and his minions, Satan. And they changed it to uh, you're the, the master in Tanzara in North America because of the religious stuff. But it's it's a story about humanity, and 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 through the villagers, you learn about the follies and beauty of humanity, and told through little mini villagers and little stories, and stripping that from the sequel was disgusting because that's what made the game tick. 
It wasn't just the fact that you're going around fighting demons. You were doing it on behalf of humanity. That, that chick's gone. You were doing it on the behalf of humanity and helping them out and then sometimes pleading with you. So you're acting as a god, but you're like a benevolent god. You're, like, you're, you're being nice. Right. And it's about re- restoration of faith and issues um, about helping out each other. Like Again, told through the little stories. So like, that's why I love the game. Because it, 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 it had a sort of a bold tone to it. And obviously, the, the action platforming elements get the job done. They're not great. But they get the job done enough that, that you get back to the sim building. It's almost like you want to get back to the sim building. Like, you want to get back to that. The character design is really good, though. That's the thing. that I've, yes. I, I, As a person who's never played ActRaiser, I've always loved... <clears throat> not for more than five minutes. I've always loved the... Uh, like... I loved looking at screenshots of it in the magazines. Yes. I loved looking... Even art part design two, is fantastic. Even part two, yes. because, I mean, the sprites still look extremely nice. Like, the art design is yes. just great. The art design is great. The chubby little cute uh, angel that you used uh, is adorable in the original. And obviously, it is my all-time favorite score in a video game. Sure. It and, is and, absolutely, and you're not alone on that. It is absolutely a brilliant, moving score. People love that um, score. By Yuzo Koshiro, and it was so good it became a fully orchestrated one on CD back in the day. You could find it on YouTube. It's apt. I mean, a beautiful, beautiful score. You and I both uh, love Yuzo. He's the one who did all the uh, like all the Streets of Rage soundtracks. Oh, too. he did. Yeah. Okay. No, he, he's 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 top fucking notch. So okay, we'll get that in common first. I'm surprised we never played Act Razor. It's like me saying I never played Sonic. I always get there. Thirty years later. Um, <laughs> so it's one of those quintessential. Super Nintendo games. Like, when you think of Super Nintendo games, Act Razor. It's one of the first ones I think of because they, uh, they, they, they focused. It's unique, but they also focused on it very heavily early on. Because it came out in November 91. So it was that first run of games in North America. Gotcha. So I was shocked but pleasantly surprised to see a remake uh, being done. Overall, I like it. It is not the original, and I'll tell you why. And I'll go into the, some of the differences, what they added, and what they what they didn't really strip out anything, but, but the differences. So you still have six different uh, like mini continent worlds you have to build up. That's the same. You still ha- start off fighting to sort of gain control originally and get your spirit back into the temple. They're all based around the temples. These are your seven, six uh, worlds here. Um, they expand the gameplay out in this remake. To, they really lengthened it. They like it's all, it's like double the, or triple the amount of time to play through. Yeah, I know a um, lot of people said um, a lot of people said that it felt more like more than a, a remake. It felt like yes. a one point five or a pseudo sequel. Yeah, the, the issue is that they they fucked with the battle mechanics too much. In the original Act Razor, you jump and slash, you slash standing up, you 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 crouch and slash, and you have your magic powers that you eventually get you earn through through building up the towns. This, they changed the single slash into a triple attack. And then in the last one, you could have the option to dash forward. You can dash back with the L trigger, which is a nice dodge thing. But they made one change that I hate. They added an upward thrust, like Zelda 2 upward thrust, to get enemies in the air. It used to be that it was easy to get enemies above you in the original by jumping and slashing, because it was an overhead slash. And Yeah, and you had it, and it would... We'll do an arc. arc. Yeah. Now, when you jump and slash, it does it horizontally. 
Ah, it makes that's weird. It makes it an annoyance now to fight off flying enemies. It shouldn't have to be an annoyance to fight off flying enemies. And they're trying to outthink the room, as Frank says. Like, if they just did a straight, we're going to redo how it played with the slashes, and we'll add maybe a, the dash or the dodge back. Like, I would have been fine. They made they made the mechanics too cumbersome to update it to a modern audience. That it's not broken. It's now it's now worse than it was even in ninety one. Mm. The simplicity of design was, I think, part of the charm. Now it's gone. Right. I don't mind the little updates for modern things where you can turn it off. Where every slash you see the hit points come off everyone. I don't like that. It's like they're little minor fucking guys. Who cares? It takes two three hits. That's fine. But. That annoyed me. It made it made combat that much more difficult. Where I shouldn't be dying going through this first stage, and I was right. dying. I, and I was I was playing on hard. I was like, okay, I'm playing on hard, but like I shouldn't have been dying. Um, but they made the magic better. The magic now you don't just get one spell. You can scroll through the spells as you earn them up and use each one, and you build up the magic points by by getting orbs and killing enemies versus uh, getting the scrolls to use them once. I like that. That's see, that's a positive change. That's a modern sure. change. It makes it a little easier. But changing the, the mechanics of the, the sword fighting was just not where it was at for me. And that really, it really, I think, they did a disservice uh, to them. Uh, the art design, I'm 50-50 on. The, uh, it l- looks great for the village. I do not like it for the, uh, for, for the, for the, the action platforming parts. It, That's what I kind of thought looking at screenshots. I, 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 did, I thought the village stuff actually looked great. But yes. Uh, I, I'm not... I, as time has gone on, I've gotten better about not being such a like 2D art purist. I do prefer it, but it's something the design just doesn't transfer over super well to 3D. Yeah, they went almost like half. It looks like a DS game sort of look to it. You know what I mean? Like you can see the it looks like clean, but you can still see the pixel edges on stuff. And I'm just like, it was almost like like a half measure. I might as well, you might as well just go just all sprite or all 3D. They went, like, in between, which was weird. I guess that's a style, and I just didn't like that. But, so, I'm down on the battle stuff. That's worse than the Super Nintendo one. But the village stuff, they added a decent amount to it. And this is what they did, Ian. You're going to like this. Okay, there's one bad part they added. So, in the village now, you earn, like, a a hero warrior. There's six of them that can help defend your... um, village from sieges that happen now so in, in, in act razor you always fend off in the air from there's usually four monster layers you fend off the flying birds and the demons right that's still there and you can seal them up now when you seal them up though you have to have the master go inside and do a quick i mean like quick one minute fight against a mini boss that honestly you don't need it get it out it almost like breaks up the game too much before sure. the humans just sealed it themselves so you have that but now you have an interesting strategy minigame put in. You build forts up. There's two different types of forts so far. There's a gate one on the road that can stop uh, these basically monsters invade on the ground. You're looking overhead. It's, it's a real-time like strategy thing. And you, have, you can place um, these uh, guard towers in the road. You can do arrow ones. And you can also, uh, in real-time, place roadblocks. You can't do the, Once the, 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 these attacks happen, you can't place the guardhouse but you can place these roadblocks that then the monsters have to hit away so you're you can try, slow them down you're trying to defend the temple once right. the, te- the temple gets destroyed game over so you use those in conjunction with placing your basically hero character who has an hp level to fend off this attack that's an excellent addition to the game i mean that's that when i was thinking of my own like remake in my head i would want to do something with that i wanted there to be fending off attacks 
So, so it, it added tower defense type type stuff. A real time tower defense. Thing. Soul Ser- that I think that's the one thing I would give Soul Seraph is they did add that, and I thought that was neat. And people told me at the time that you know that's not in normal yeah. actors, and I was like, that's a good idea. It's unfortunately it just everything else was not yes great. so they beefed out the sim part pretty well you still have to you still have to destroy your old houses with lightning in order to build the bigger ones that's still there because there's three different levels to your town there's still that stuff um there's still the same stories but now they added more they basically beefed this out a lot like two and a half hours i still did not beat um the first the first stage still like on the super nintendo by two and a half hours in you're like well into the game sure you can complete probably the game in two and a half hours i think if you really go quickly. So like they really beefed it out, but they beefed out too much of the action elements. They really made them bigger. And like I said, the mechanics aren't as good. The score is obviously uh, um, great. So you could have the option. Uh, Yuzo came back and, and, and did, um, Yuzo-san, uh, Yuzo-san. Did, did a, um, or not a remix. He reorchestrated uh, the original. So he added it to them. Nice. But you have the option to, to, to change the to the original Super Nintendo. Very good. That's brilliant. But 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 the, the but the update is great. So, I love I so, love all I I love optional soundtracks. So I recommend this. It's a wee recommendation. I recommend this if you have not played the first one. I almost recommend that you jump in and play this one since you have not played the sure. first one. And you might like it more than me. If that makes sense, you yeah, won't be spoiled by the original. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I, I'll yeah. say this: I hate the I hate the new angel design. I can't stand it. Makes it look like a freaking, you know, prepubescent uh, boy or girl. I hate that. I like the cute, chubby angel from the original. I'm sorry. I like the little looking cherub angel from the original. They made it more like modern. Come on. There's, there's less. It's less. It's, it's less character. You know what I mean? You remember the little cute little angel, the little cute little bug? I, I, yeah, I know from the screenshots and stuff. <sighs> there was something to that. And they, they did make. This is, this is a modern thing I don't like, but I understand it. They made fighting off. They made the arrows um, not just shoot straight anymore. They kind of like go towards the target a little bit. They bend a little bit. Oh. It makes it simpler. Sure. I, I get it. I don't hate it. I, it's like 30 years later, People maybe that's easier for people to play. because It's just different. It's fine. Okay. I do recommend it though overall. It's like, it's, to me, it's like a 7.5 out of 10. But the original to me is a 10 out of 10. That's, that's the difference. This reminds me of DuckTales and DuckTales Remastered, oh. uh, which okay, I did yeah. not like as a 7.5. However, I do, I've always said that if you've never played the original DuckTales and you have the chance to play the remaster, play it. It's fun. Sure. It's just when you compare it to the original, that's where I get I fall apart on it. See, see it's, it's my DuckTales Remastered, but I liked it better. And I will probably go through more of it. But I mean, the original game was like a three-hour game at most. This is going to be like an 18-hour game. Like that's how much they lengthen out because like to, to build up your town takes a lot longer. Sure, they they really add. I think there was like four sieges, four towns. I actually enjoy that part of the game the best. The nice. sieges, the real time, uh, like almost military strategy element. That's a pretty cool thing. Like all right, you get a hero character, and then the hero works into the the main story at the temple where you communicate. I'm like okay, I see. You get nice abs. Abs. Health insurance is expensive for many Americans. More than half of Americans are on a high deductible health insurance plan on the hook for thousands of dollars of deductibles, co-pays, and sky-high premiums. Many in the U.S. concerned about costs don't have good health care options. You either go uninsured or pay through the nose for a high-deductible plan with questionable coverage, all because of a broken health insurance system. It's like being stuck with an outdated cable TV plan and not knowing about Netflix. Introducing CrowdHealth. It isn't health insurance. It's a better way to pay medical expenses. 
Crowd Health is a community of people who are tired of paying for a broken system, a place where you can get a simple, flexible, and affordable way to pay for your health care. Being in the Crowd Health community can save hundreds of dollars monthly and put thousands of dollars back in your pocket. Why Crowd Health? Well, it's flexible. Membership is a monthly subscription. You can start or stop when it's convenient for you. And it's got simple and transparent pricing, customized to fit your needs. Crowd Health lowers your monthly healthcare costs, and you can see any doctor you want. And it's simple. Using their app, you can find nearly any doctor in the country, ranked from one star to five stars. You can scan bills and throw them away. Crowd Health takes it from there. And press a button to receive virtual care anytime, anywhere. And a community of health-conscious members who want to get and stay healthy in return for lower prices. CrowdHealth gets rid of the insurance middleman and passes the savings to its members. 100% of your monthly membership pays for actual health care costs, helping the whole CrowdHealth community stay healthy while keeping more money in your pocket. CrowdHealth is able to offer amazing prices because of its community of health-conscious members. But for a limited time, our listeners get their first month free. And after you've been a member... Crowd Health will include a fitness wearable. That's 30 days to try risk-free plus the fitness wearable. Just go to joincrowdhealth.com slash fit and enter code CUPODCAST at sign up. That's joincrowdhealth.com slash fit, promo code CUPODCAST. Crowd Health is not health insurance. It's a community-powered alternative. Term and conditions may apply. All right, Ian. Patrick. I, I called an audible. This is a main topic. All right. So Nintendo Switch Online has been around for, what now, two, over two years? Yep. 2019, two and a half years? Yeah. The last year and a half doesn't count. I think we just renewed it for the second time, so... At least two years. Yeah, two years at least. So so Nintendo Switch Online was, what, 20 bucks a year? Which which is... It's 20 a year for the normal, and then 35 a year for up to eight people on a family plan. So 20 bucks a year. With the 20 bucks a year, obviously you get online play, and then you get... You got NES and Super NES games. And everyone's like, when we get more games? When are we get more games? Rumor for Game Boy, rumor for N64 games forever. And now we got more than our wish. A startling twist. But first we'll go through a startling twist. I mean, I was surprised. So Nintendo uh, Switch Online is adding a new membership plan in October, late October, which this we predicted that they were going to add more games and then have a tiered pricing. We predicted that because that made economical sense to do that. Because first of all, not everyone's going to want those new games, uh, but those that will, will pay extra for them. So it makes sense. And you have the option. So N64 games are getting added. Uh, the list so far here, Super Mario 64, of course. Mario Kart 64, of course. Star Fox 64, that's a good choice. Yoshi Story. Uh, Ocarina of Time. Winback, which we're bringing up more and more as, as like a hidden gem, so to speak. That was actually um, the one that made my eyebrows raise because I've had a bunch of people tell me, you know, I should play Winback because I, I like cover-based shooters. I think three and a half stars, according to a certain upcoming X4 guidebook, so good review. Mario Tennis, there you go. Love, love that. Dr. Mario 64, and then Sit in Punishment, which never came out in uh, North America. Yep. Which I reviewed personally as one of the two, I think, Japanese games I covered. Uh, no, I mean, like, I, I personally cover covering all the Japanese games in the book, but I covered that game. I think I gave it four or four and a half stars. Really good game. Really good rail shooter. Yeah. Really intelligent design. There's melee attacks to it. It's fun. In terms of shooting, it's really fun. The story's off the fucking wall nuts. And uh, I think Chris Kohler commented, like, someone did the North American box art for that, which looks pretty cute. They made it a North American box art. For oh, yeah. Picture. Yeah. So you're going to get that. It's going to have online play for up to four players. 
So I think I'll be playing Mario Kart 64 versus people more potentially than the new one. Less, less potential uh, shenanigans happening, you know. Maybe. I don't know. There's lots of shenanigans, still shenanigans in Mario 64. Kart 64. But either way, isn't that cool? They're going to do the oh, online yeah. thing. That's... Well, as long as it works well, because it's, impl- it's, it's implemented pretty fucking awfully for the NES and the Super Nintendo. See, I don't. I feel. Did we did we play ice hockey versus each other on on NES? Did we try that on Switch Online? No, but I did try to play something with someone, and it was like uh, just buggy. Yeah, it's just it was the connection or just the the connection. It's not great. Come on, Nintendo, what are we doing here? It's not get with the times for online play. Not amazing. So, what do you think about the selection of games for the Super Nintendo for N64? Is it pretty good? It's not bad. Um, I they call they're calling it expansion pack membership, which is funny because it's. N64 expansion pack. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, I I would love to see some of the quirkier stuff, uh, third-party stuff. That's actually the stuff that I tend to enjoy. Um, the 64, I would really like to see Snowboard Kids 1 and 2. Um, I think you'll get there eventually. Uh, the uh, one that I would like to see that I believe they did say was coming was um, Pokemon Snap. Oh, they said that. Yeah. Okay. So this picture. There is. There is. There was an during the thing. They were like in more games coming, and they ran a like five games real quick past oh. the screen. Okay, I'll look that up. And it's for a Switch Online announcement and the, uh, the video. Yeah, one of those was was um, Pokemon Snap. So you obviously we're all going to get this. It, whether or not this is going to be twenty five bucks a year or thirty bucks a year, I think almost everyone's going to going to put down the money for <laughs> if this. I have to guess Nintendo and how they usually price things. I have a feeling they'll probably do an extra five bucks for the um, solo membership and an extra ten for the family. I'll, I'm I'm down. That's my um, guess. We'll see. And there's still going to be more NES and Super Nintendo games added. There's over there's over a hundred NES. Is games there going games. to be more of those added? Did they actually yes. say that? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Steven Totillo from Kotaku confirmed that uh, they're still doing like, they're still, you know, they, they got some in the well left that they don't want to pay through the nose for. Um, people still obviously want Earthbound on there. They want Mario RPG and things like that. Uh, but okay. So that's good. You think this is going to affect the uh, retro game market to have these more readily accessible versus the N64 games that have spiked? Well, everything spiked after COVID. But... No, I, I don't. I really don't think it will. You don't think it will? No. Um, uh, there was a time where I might have said I thought it would have, but I mean, just looking back on years of experience of this, it, I don't think it's going to affect it a, t- a whole lot. Okay, so that was the N64 game announcement. Everyone's like, okay, this is cool. We kind of knew it was coming. But then they drop, they dropped a bomb on us. Um, Sega Genesis games will be included in this, in this expansion pack for Nintendo Switch Online. Sega Genesis games, they are licensing for Nintendo Switch. Oh, that's so weird and cool. And the game selection is actually really interesting, which we can talk about. It's a decent game selection. I don't know why you think it's so weird, though, when this was done on the virtual console. But you had to pay for them. They weren't free. Sure. This is like Nintendo saying, we aren't just dominating you. Now we're offering our competition's games for free. That was just a license deal. This is, I mean, this is a license deal, but this is a, this is a freebie. Ian. This is like a Netflix thing. Well, freebie, you got to pay more for. Uh, however... Don't be contrarian, Ian. This is big I'm news. Not, this is big, this is big, big news. Big, uh, big news. I, I guess I think I, I just feel like Sega licensed their shit out everywhere at this point. It's not that but it's Nintendo. All right, partnering. All right. They, All right, they're holding it. All right, we've already seen Sonic on a Nintendo system, but the selection is oh, good. Wet blanket, Ian. Okay, the, the selection is good. Want to run through this, Ian? Yeah, Castlevania Bloodlines. Thumbs fucking up. Uh, Contra Hardcore, absolutely. Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, yes, sure. Good uh, Puyo Puyo. 
uh, game. Uh, Echo the Dolphin, maybe not. Golden Axe, love it. Uh, Gunstar Heroes, excellent. Musha, Musha, not as not as into Musha as other people are, but it's but, still a good shooter. I just don't think it's nearly worth Fantasy that much Star money. Fantasy Star Four, uh, great, great, great RPG. Rise Star, good stuff. Shining Force, way to go. Shinobi Three, yes, yes, indeed. Sonic Two, fantastic. No Streets of Rage Two. Absolutely. And Strider. And Strider, which is fantastic. That was my favorite Genesis game for the longest time. But this but this Strider. is like a hardcore retro gamer's game list. That, most of these games are all Chinese, are extremely expensive games. Yes, they are. That's why it's nuts. Yeah. Musha, hardcore, Bloodlines is now expensive. Fantasy Star 4 is, I think, expensive. Fantasy Star 4 goes for about 100 Bloodlines, I think, complete, especially if it's the clamshell version, is over 200 I got it sealed, but I have the cardboard box. Over 200 uh, God, Contra Hardcore is definitely probably about yeah. 70 Uh Golden Axe, it's a, it's a couple Rye tenors. Star? Uh, Rise Star, probably not too bad. Maybe 30 Maybe. But the point is, like, this isn't just, like, the regular garbage stuff, you, you, you know what I mean? This is this is a little this is a few tiers above that I think. No, this is a fairly this is a fairly well well curated. Yeah, this uh, this is like this to is, offer. Oh, Rise Star is expensive now. Is it Ian. now? Complete everything is complete. Someone's asking for two hundred. Holy shit! All right, well there Ooh, we go. I think, I think I own that. So anyway, so that was surprising to me. And then you see the select, and it's just like this isn't all the crap you would find on those crappy at games ones. This is like a tier above that. I don't think any of those had Mushu on it. Musha. Uh, Musha, Mushu Pork, Musha, or Gunstar Heroes is expensive too, right? That's a $100 game easily, isn't it, Gunstar Heroes? It used to be really expensive, Musha. then it got really, really reasonable. It was only like really? 20 bucks for a while, and now I think it's probably expensive again. It got reasonable for some reason? Uh, 80 bucks just for the fucking cart. Okay, yeah, so it's not reasonable anymore. 175 or best offer for complete. Wow. So, yeah, I, I guess that blew up a lot of people. In fact, I... I was I was ecstatic to see that just because it's like wow this is becoming the Netflix style thing that people were wanting it to be. It's yeah. closer. And like I said, it's not a bad selection. Four consoles now. Um, you got Genesis games before Game Boy, Ian. That's a weird feeling, isn't it? It is very strange. Does Nintendo just not think people are interested in the Game Boy? You think you think that's what it is? I don't they have know. so many games they can put on it from the Game Boy. No, they never talk about the Game Boy. They never yeah do anything with it anymore. I don't know. It's very weird. I, I, I was, I, I don't need Game Boy on there, but I they got them laying around. Yeah, I mean, I, I buy Game Boy games still. There's months where they're, they're not putting on NES. Too many put on some Game Boy games. The Mario games on there are great. I mean, Mario Land is excellent. Short, uh, six golden coins is great. Give me the original um, baseball. Fuck it. The Wario <laughs> games are good. I still pop the original baseball in every once in a while. I usually get about four innings in, and I go, okay, that's all I need, and I turn it off. It's like, it's like okay, it's like playing black box baseball. It's, it's cute to play it's a little cute. bit. But then it, you're it, done. it is. It's adorable. It's, it's one step above like, little handheld toys you get from the little... I would rather play the handheld toy. I will play that those, all the way Those through. weird toy shops that have the little handheld like baseball yeah. toys and stuff. But then we get to the hardware announcement, which is, again, maybe just Genesis alone. Okay, Ian, I'm with you. What's the big deal? Now you have Nintendo saying, we're going to offer you first the N64 controller, the same way they did the Super Nintendo and NES ones for Switch. Through, through um, You had to be, what, uh, uh, what is it called, Nintendo Club member? No, a Nintendo Online member. You just have to have... Talk a, to online. Okay. Yeah, they, they basically, it's if you, you have to be, have the... They won't sell them to you if you don't have the online service in an attempt to which, try to dissuade scalpers. Which, which makes sense. Fine. I yeah. think and I think they put a limit on, on those anyway, I think they did in the past. So the N64 controller, is uh, that's a cool idea. To have that, I'll probably... Oh, it's a real D-pad, which is nice. I like the D-pad on the N64. Um, I'm going to pick that up. So then they also hold up, next to it, a Genesis controller. 
And that's where it gets super strange that Nintendo is directly selling a Sega Genesis controller to you. That is, that's bizarre, Lenny. If you think that's bizarre, Lenny, I don't know what to tell you. I can't remember a company saying, we're going to sell our competition shit or X competition stuff. There you go. None of this and, feels weird to me. I feel, okay. Um, you're jaded. I, I, I think it's weird. I think you're so, still living in the console wars. I'm back in 93, Ian. 92, 93. So they're going to sell you. There's two different versions. Of, they're selling a Sega Genesis controller. Three button one for some reason in North America. And then you, you're lucky. Get Pause. The... I don't know why they keep fucking doing this. They need to stop with the fucking three button controller. They did it with the fucking mini. And then doing it here. Uh, you're kneecapping yourself with the amount of games you can put on here. Uh, it's dumb. Unpause. Okay. So um, the six button one is what most people prefer. Yes. People have nostalgia for, I guess, the original chunky-ass three-button controller, Why? but it plays like ass compared to the six-button The one. buttons never feel... Like, the buttons get real loose. Like, they never feel like there's a good they press. They put it at the wrong angle. The start button's in the middle of nowhere. There's no... It's... I'm a Sega boy. Sonic, Sega boy here. Sonic controller. I don't like the original Sega three-button controller. Sonic controller. It's not good. The six-button is great, though. It's one we, of my favorites. We all played our Ultra Beast with it in Moonwalker and original Sonic, Street, but it's not... A good controller overall. No. It's average at best. Um, so, I'm guessing what you can probably do is go through this. W- there's a, probably a way that you'll be able to maybe set up a Japanese a, an extra account on your Switch in order to access the page to get the six button one. Maybe if you want. Are you interested in getting the six button one for your no, Switch? I'm not interested in any of these fucking wireless controllers. This is why they take up space because you can get <laughs> these sort of controls already. You can get Bluetooth controllers for thirty bucks only. Our that... friends at Retro Hyphen Bit do, uh, yes, fr- like they, they do licensed remakes of all the Sega controllers, yeah. and they're great. Maybe maybe Retro Bit's doing these. We don't know. We don't, we don't know. But anyway, the whole point is that these are going to sell because they're Nintendo branded. I will buy the N64 one as an idiot. I'm not going to buy the Genesis one, but I will buy the N64 one, even though I'm an idiot because I could connect that through other. There's other ones out there I can. You know. They got me for that, but 50 bucks is too much, especially for the Genesis one. It is. That's way too much. Too much. If you want to make the argument, then again, it's honestly it's too much for the N64 one. You can buy USB N64 controls that are decent for 15 bucks, 12 bucks. USB obviously, but they're not. The, the joysticks don't cost anything. We're not in that age anymore. Well, the joysticks cost no, no. But again. Nice to see this. Really cool. This this gives a uh, puts a nice uh, pep in its step to the Switch Online, which a lot of people are complaining about. You know, you know, they were putting out some interesting titles still, but they, you know, they're a lot of the heavy hitters that weren't coming out anymore for NES or Super Nintendo. Yeah. So, but you're you're down for this. You're gonna play, be playing some Streets of Rage two multiplayer with me. Uh, yeah, no, I, I am down. Let's for play it. some Golden Axe. Let's seriously play some Golden Axe. I'm down for it for the, you know, it's not going to be an insane amount extra. There's enough on here that I, you know, I'll go and screw around with Mario Kart 64. I think it'll be 30 bucks for one person. I think that's what it's going to be. You don't think it's going to be 30? Do you think it's going to be 25? Uh, I don't think 30 is out of pocket. No. But I, knowing how Nintendo generally values their dlc and things like that they've always done their expansion packs for relatively cheap they've done their online for cheaper than other companies i have a feeling they'll do this expansion cheaper than other companies would so uh i mean like i said i could be wrong but i think it's going to be an extra five for the solo and i think it's going to be an extra 10 for the uh, family for the extra five it's going to be like they're going to get probably 90 percent of the people to pay the extra five bucks so like think about how many people how many millions upon millions of dollars that is alone? So you, the, probably more than make up for the for the licensing of of the, the Genesis games, um, and then obviously some of these are 
uh, let's see, Winback is third party. The rest aren't that they're offering. Sudden Punishment's first party, right? Yes. Yeah. It was. It was. A, yes. They published it. Yeah. I, I, okay. I'm trying to remember who did the dev on that, but they published it. It's a Nintendo IP. Okay. That, yeah. That, yeah that's... Because they came out. Because they came out with the Wii one. Yeah. It's a Nintendo sequel. Right. So, but I think Winback's the only one here that's not. Or... Oh, that's right. Uh, that's why I'm Win screwed back. up. It's a treasure game. Okay. Uh, which right. so is Gunstar Heroes. Uh, who that pub- makes sense. Uh, co- uh, k- 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Win back, win back, win back, win back. Koei? Koei Tecmo. Okay, yeah. Well, back then, was it? It was both? just Koei. Okay, so they have a good relationship with them with lots of other stuff on the NES. So. And then, yeah, I knew there was someone someone well-loved behind Sin and Punishment and its treasure. Yeah, I'm happy. Let's get let's get Game Boy and Turbo Graphics. Come on, Konami, you got you to gotta do something with those properties. Come on, come on, do the locomotion with me. This portion of the CU Podcast is sponsored by Retrobit. Retrobit has partnered up with Elden Pixels, an indie game developer, to publish the NES version of their game, Always Awakening. Originally released on Steam for PC, now you'll get to see what happens after that version. There are new rooms to explore, new challenges, and so much more. In true Retrobit fashion, they've made it into a collector's edition that comes with plenty of exclusive collectibles. On top of their high-quality work, this Always Awakening game was remastered to fit the NES perfectly. They've actually taken the game and had to rework the whole thing specifically for this release. So you know you're getting some quality old-school gameplay right here. In Always Awakening, you traverse dangerous dungeons, meet interesting and fun characters, and explore the world in this 8-bit adventure game. And in true Retrobit fashion, they are doing something totally different in what you don't see other companies doing. They are making what they call a digital version of Always Awakening that combines aspects of both physical and digital games. In this digital, the collectible and retractable Zoe 8 gig USB contains the ROM but still includes exclusive extras and displayable packaging, all in order to provide a digital experience while continuing to support these indie game developers. But if you want to keep it old school and stick to the classics, there is also the NES cart version available that comes with all kind of collectibles, including a full-colored manual, just like we remember. We used to have that. Whichever way you're planning to go, right now is the time to reserve yours as they are available for pre-order now until October 17th. Visit retro-bit.com slash awas-awakening to see all the places offering both versions while they're available. And follow them on social media at RetroBitGaming to stay updated on all their new releases. Uh, Ian, did something happen this past weekend you want to talk about? I worked my last day at... uh... <laughs> Luna Video Games. Two locations. Uh, sorry. Uh, two Chula, locations. Chula Vista and El Cajon. Chula Vista, El Cajon. Ex Voltaire Street. Ex Voltaire. Ex Newport. Newport. Um, putting an end to 15 years of video game retail. Uh, I don't think I've ever done anything that long. I think my total time in restaurants might have been. Might have been 13 years, 13 to 14 years, so it was close, but certainly I've never worked at any one place. Do you want to explain that long? It wasn't, wasn't that that long after you moved to San Diego, correct? No, it wasn't. So I moved to San Diego in 2005. Um, I was working, uh, summer of 2005, I was working for Luna. Uh, my first official job at Luna was I was um, dropping. Uh, flyers on cars for that for the 2005 holiday season um and then i officially started working at luna like shifts in i think summer of 2006 and i think i was full-time at luna by 2007 
So obviously you were a game collector before that, so you're familiar with retro games. And so when you saw a game store, you're like, okay, let's see if they have work. So what happened was is when uh, I moved to San Diego first, I lived in the Mission Hills area for a couple of months. And the landlord was, uh, she was a real C next Tuesday. And um, my girlfriend at the time, my roommate, had just had tons and uh, tons of issues with her. So we started looking, and my first job here was um, delivering flowers, and every time I went into Ocean Beach, I loved it, and they all loved Ocean Beach, so we moved in. Um, our landlord screwed, our new landlord, who she was very nice, uh, screwed up our electricity, so we were without electricity for like five days, and I needed something to do, and I had my DS fully charged, but I hadn't played it. In a, in a while so right. i was like fuck it i'm gonna go try to uh, mario kart ds had just come out and i was like i'm gonna go try to find a copy of this and uh looked in the phone book that's uh-huh. how long ago this was wow still looked you, in the phone book you, you don't want an internet look up on the internet still um i mean this was well before smartphones <laughs> we had no electricity Five years before yeah. we had no electricity Three, for years. internet uh hookup so i looked in the phone book and luna had an ad there and when I like tried to find out where it was, it was like literally a block down and a like two blocks over. So I walked and I picked it up, and of course I asked him if he you know needed any help. He was like, no. So I just kept going there for a while, and eventually the one day I walked in, he was like, so you want a job? No, that's like, how it happens. Yeah, no, that's exactly Craig how it happened. He's, he's like, you want a job? And I was like, yeah, because when Luna started, the first three years of Luna, Treg was the only employee there. And he worked every day. And when did he start it? 2003. Three, okay. So he worked every single day. Took like, I think in the first three years, he's not lying. He took like, I think three days off during the year. And then he used to close for a week between Christmas and New Year's. Gotcha. So he wouldn't even take off like Sundays or one day a week, nope. Mondays. No, he was, week. He, wow. was, he was a dedicated small business owner and was there all the time. Um, there was a guy named Rhett who he had cover a couple of shifts for him, um, but Rhett was never an official employee. Gotcha. So I was the first employee. And yeah, I mean, where do you go from there? I mean, that's... Uh- I mean, you saw a lot in 15 years, obviously. You saw the retro in 2000, 2006. That's when, you know, the Wii comes out, virtual console, eBay gets bigger, YouTube gets... 2006 was the year, I always say, that's where everything turned. YouTube gets bigger, you know, James puts out his AVGN videos on there. People really start discovering, rediscovering their games a lot more. Like, all this stuff happened around there. Yeah, and it didn't happen instantly. You know, the, the first couple of years at Luna, uh, we did well. But, you know, there was only one location. You know, uh, one employee was really all trade could afford. And we were still catering to a crowd of people that were very much like I was in the late 90s. Um, people who were just like, this is what interests them. There was not... There, I mean, there were obviously places online where you could go and talk about retro games. Nintendo Age existed. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of the old, early early Nintendo fan sites were starting to fall apart. But, you know, TSI's on the S-Pit was long gone by then. There were places, but it, it hadn't really entered the mainstream. So it was a very small, very... Uh, I don't know how to f- say it. Very boutique-y. Yeah, and plus, back then, the price scales were radically different than what they are now. There were expensive games, but not in the scale now and not in terms of the quantity of, of those games. The average NES game in 2006 compared to now, are you kidding me? When I first started there, Nintendo 64s were 25 bucks. Uh, with a controller? With a controller. Yeah, that sounds about uh, right. Maybe even 20 
I, I know they were 20 at one point in time, but I think by the time I started there, they were 25 bucks, one controller. Um, Still in the GameCube era. <laughs> <laughs> NESs were forty nine ninety nine. Super Nintendos, I think, were sixty nine ninety nine, and uh, yeah, it was crazy because uh, I, I think I think PS twos were like one fifty, which is actually That's not that far from where PS twos are now. Yeah, but they did because be, but they time. dipped for a long yeah. time. Yes, um, PS two can't count the last year and a half. It doesn't make any sense. I think during my time there, PS twos were as cheap. I think they got as cheap as thirty nine or forty nine ninety nine. Um, you know, Sega Genesis systems I think were twenty nine ninety nine. But average game prices were down. You had obviously some game collectors, but it wasn't like we're getting all of this to make money. It was more just still like I want to play stuff or collect stuff. Yeah. Or gather stuff. Yep. There, there, there were people always looking for rarities, but it wasn't to flip it. They were, it was, it was still people like largely, crazy assholes like me walking want baby boomer. It was, yeah, it was largely people still just buying for their collections. It wasn't, it hadn't turned into an alternate revenue source, uh, you know, for people or anything like that yet. Sure. So, so that's around, you know, 2006 early era. I first saw you in 2008 that summer. And I bought, I believe I bought the Baby Boomer and maybe Prince of Persia or whatever I bought. I bought a few games there. Right. Some of the, some of the very uncommon ones I, st- I still needed. You know, like, who's this crazy asshole with the short hair? Um, then, then, obviously, you saw a lot change. You know, like, that was like 1.0 Luna. And then you probably got to like a 2.01 within probably like five years. Did you see like another change? Yeah. Wave um, switch? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say that by the time the 360 and the PS3 were in full swing, um, I felt like, um, in a way, I feel like Generation 7 brought a lot of people back into video games. Um, we started doing a lot of business for 360 and modern stuff, as well as the retro stuff. Um, Nintendo still remained popular. Um, Nintendo 64 hit a kind of like a, a feverish peak, probably around 2011, 2012. It's always been popular, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, that's where I first started to kind of notice it's the 20 years after it comes out sort of sure. sort of thing. That makes it very popular. Um, but the first few years, Nintendo and Super Nintendo were always the, the popular focus. And then as we move on into, like, 2012 and on, things start to slowly change. Nintendo starts to get a little less popular by around 2014, I would say. All Nintendo stuff? Uh, just the original Nintendo. Oh, NES. Yeah, starts to get a little less popular by around 2014. Um, Super Nintendo, you know, gets very popular. N64 is an absolute frenzy. Sure. Um, it was always the Nintendo systems that got really popular. But I did see a couple of weird... Uh, There's a couple of weird, like, moments there, too. Um, there was a moment where everyone got into Sega Master System. I remember that very clearly. Uh, even you did. I mean, you finished your set. But... I got I got out before everyone else got in. But a lot of people got really into Sega Master System. Uh, that was one of the more interesting things for me to watch was as Nintendo, pri- as Nintendo collecting got more popular and the prices started to raise exponentially, there were people who were trying to find the next reasonable full set to collect that they could do without having to compete with a bunch of other people. And for like two years, I was getting constantly people looking for sega master system stuff it had a lifespan of about two years no one asks for sega master system stuff anymore i probably get as many people looking for atari 2600 games as i do because sega no one master had it system when it stuff. came out here right it's, it's i mean i mean i had a same system too i only had like two games so you know we came and say i really had it as a childhood system so so um then obviously the pandemic stuff nowadays that, that rebounded a lot of prices of the of the 80s and 90s stuff yeah, it did. Which is uh, weird. Nintendo was on a pretty... It was last legs, NES. Uh, NES, yeah. NES was on its 
was was on a downward slope from 2017 to 2019. Um, you know, the the expensive games were still expensive, but you you saw. I mean, it was a very noticeable drop off in interest, and you did start to see some of the rare games that were not good games or important games start to kind of come down in and that's price how, a little bit. And that's how you know the general in- interest is going away. Right. The, if, if someone's not coming and buying Tecmo World Cup soccer, you know, like an uncommon sports game that's hard to find, right? that's just going to sit there. Yeah. That means there's less, there, there's less collectors looking for it. The right? first half of my time at Luna, if I had a copy of Tecmo Cup, or the first third of my time at Tecmo Luna, Cup soccer, yeah. if I had a, cup, a copy of Tecmo Cup soccer game, someone who was in there looking for it would be like, ooh, ooh, I want that. Because they, they weren't just looking for stuff to jog their memory. They were looking for things to collect. Or bases loaded four, right? You know, or something like that, where it's, right. like, it's a rare game. Or but, I like, always no bring it up at like fucking supercars or whatever that super yeah. sprint game is. Like that's rare as hell. I've seen it literally once in the store. No, no one, it's... no one grew up with it. So, but if you were looking for that game, it's just to you know. Yeah, I've it. seen Panzer Dragoon like five times come through. Panzer Dragoon Saga yeah. come through the store like five times. I've seen that supercars game come through once. It sold for twenty because who gives a fuck about it anymore? Yeah, it, you know, because it came in after that popularity. Um. How, did, did did working at at the store? How did it change your relationship to, to games? Like, was there like a different difference in how you looked at video games before and after you started working there? If I wasn't kind of already on my way out of collecting by the time I started working at Luna, Luna really put the nail in uh, in the coffin of, of of me considering myself a a collector. Why do you think that? I guess because I was around it all the time. Too, too much familiarity. Too much familiarity. Breeds, uh, what is it? Re- resentment. Yeah, um, I was around it all the time, uh, and obviously, I still buy games. Technically, if you wanted to give me a label, sure, you could say I'm a video game collector. I still buy Game Boy games. I still buy PC Engine games. Um, I like those collections. I like to work with those collections. But um, you know, walk going into my job at Luna, I was. When I moved out here, when I was in Buffalo, I was a collector like anyone else, uh, like you, like any of the big video game collectors. I was buying for all systems, buying weird things, buying boxed systems, buying, you know, mm-hmm. I was looking for anything that had to do with video games. Sure. When I moved out here, I had less space. I had less time to devote to it. The move of my NES games out here was a pain in the ass. I hated it. I realized what a fucking weight this was that I sure. had attached to myself. Um, yeah. Uh, what a weight it was that I had attached to myself. And I was poor as fuck when I moved out here, too. So it was a combination of, like, this is getting to be a pain in the ass to lug around. Prices of these are going up. I started selling off some of my collection. And I have realized that I'm a very specific type of person when it comes to a collection. If I start selling off pieces of a collection, the whole thing falls apart. Once I realize how easy it is to get rid of a couple things, I go, let's just fucking get rid of all of it. Yeah. There's a lot of people that think that way. Did- um so, yeah, so it was just like slowly over time, I was like, I guess I'm getting rid of all of this, you know, stuff. Did your re- interaction with more and more collectors turn you off working in the store? Did like, like, did you see something yeah, in I mean, that you didn't it, want to see in yourself? I, I don't, there was a, there was a, like I said, I was already kind of on my way out, but it, it didn't hurt uh, to see people obsessing over very weird things. Um. You know, a, a person who was one of the first people you knew out here. Uh, I clearly remember the day that I thought of, and I, I'm not saying I came up with it, but it was the day that it came into my head, the term shelf collector. It's a term that's used, but it's a term that I that, that popped into my head the day I met this one dude. Because and, they said, 
What is the thing they said? Because uh, he said, uh, I asked him if he, had, I said something about a game being good. And he said, oh, really? And I said, yes, you don't play them? And he goes, no, I just think they look nice on my shelf. Yes, I remember that. And that has stuck with me for a long, long time. And that is, uh, that really, I, I hate to say it, and I, I don't want to give this person too much, too much importance, but that really was a, a, a pivotal thing in my thinking of video games and how I, and I, th- I thought about them and, and collecting in general was, you know, you got people, I, because for me, it, it just, it seems so strange to me. I'm not trying to be like, I'm a true collector, but I just, it never occurred to me before then, call it being young and naive, that people would buy things that they had no interest in using for their intended purpose. You were on Nintendo age enough like I was. <laughs> right. Well, and I think I kind of avoided that because I, I got, you know, I, I caught a whiff of it without realizing what was going on. But sure. I, I just I didn't realize that there was a lot of people who bought, you know, collections for to kind of have, uh, you know, a, a status symbol. Um, and I don't care how you collect. You can collect how you want. But it just that that really threw me off. And for, you know, especially early on in the early ages of, of NES, like NES collecting and Super Nintendo collecting getting popular at Luna, I always kind of divided the people up into two camps in my head. The people who are buying to buy and the people who are buying to play. And I treated them differently. Um, the people who were buying to buy, uh, I would, because I didn't want to hear them fucking say it. Can I see some copies? Whenever uh, you know someone would come in that I knew was like that, I'd just go and get a bunch of copies and put them on the counter and be like, pick whichever. Because one they wanted want. the nicest looking yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it just like, when I say I treated them differently, I don't mean better or worse, but I just I learned how to handle different customers in different ways. These people weren't buying it to play it, so if there was a rip on it or if there was a nicer looking copy, I just knew to go and get it automatically and put it in front of them. I, I never asked for multiple copies of stuff. Um, anyway. Was okay, so that's like that. We talked about the stuff that might have turned you off a little bit or changed the way of thinking. What were the ways that interaction with customers made you, I guess, either reignite a love for certain games or consoles, or made you look at video games in a positive way? I'm sure there's those stories as well. Or, um, I mean, video games in a positive way. Uh, I so I saw a lot of people. I, I met a lot of people who were very nice. Who obviously, um, you know, through collecting, it was helping them become social um it was helping them find people with common interests to talk about uh you know i i definitely did get back into um playing games luna really helped me enjoy it's weird to say but luna my time at luna helped me enjoy playing games again because i was so kind of weirdly turned off by the collector stuff um i got more into you know taking games home and trying them i played a a lot of 360 games because of Luna. Uh, Luna and me getting that 360 for Pac-Man Championship Edition is what sparked at least a four or five year period of me getting very much into mainstream and modern games again. Um, that's kind of fallen off. Uh, but, you know, it really got me to realize that uh, retro is not always better. There's a lot of of, of of current stuff. Um, a lot, talking to a lot of people who play a lot of different games got me to try a lot of different things that I might not have, I might not have tried. Sure. Um, you know, I remember when call of duty, modern warfare four came out. Yes. I worked at Luna during the launch of that. Like it, when I worked at Luna, the PlayStation two was still a current fucking console. It was in it. I mean, the three sixty was coming out that PS2 year. And but PS two and GameCube were still current consoles. Um, so, 
Anyway, uh, but so I played stuff like Call of Duty 4. I tried RPGs that I wouldn't normally try. I played sports games and Maddens. I started playing games online in ways that I normally wouldn't. Um, you know, it was it, it was it was neat. It was there was kind of a renaissance of me actually playing games to enjoy them and not worrying so much about collecting them. So so now you you've done your time. Then you did you, you did your bid, like your 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 sentence. What what are you gonna miss the most about? about not not working in a game store. Um, well, I, I mean, if I have to be honest, I'm, I'm I, there. There is parts of it I'm going to miss. I was, I was thinking about this a little bit last night. Uh, so much of my life has been attached to Luna. I'm 39 years old. 15 years of that has been working in the same spot. So it's it's you know they always talk about work life balance. Um, and if I associate a lot of my life with work, I probably did not have a great work-life balance at Luna. But, um, I mean, uh, I met Vani through Luna. I met you through Luna. My marriage is because of Luna. Uh, this podcast is because of Luna. Most of the friends that I talk to on a regular basis these days, my friends Adam, uh, my, friends Link, my friend Lincoln, uh, these are people that I met through Luna and would not have met at any time, in any other way. Um, Luna kept me in California. Uh, I mean, Luna gave me a, 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 and this is really more Treg than, than Luna, but obviously the two are, are interlinked, um, gave me a place to feel like I belonged after my relationship, uh, exploded in, I don't know, 2007, 2008, um, if it wasn't for working at Luna and for Treg opening up his social circle and, you know, giving me more hours and more responsibilities there, um, I would not have had an anchor in San Diego and I would have left. I would have left. Uh, nothing that I am doing now is likely to have occurred if I did not get that job at Luna. I mean, it's just it was a hugely uh, integral part of, of everything I did. Um, there was a lot of things that I hated about Luna hated about luna uh but now that i'm out of there officially I, I don't really it's crazy now that i don't have to worry about it anymore like a lot of that stress just melted off i i it really like thinking about it i don't even want to think about the bad shit because the good shit was extremely beneficial for me um and i don't have to worry about the bad shit anymore so why am i going to spend too much time thinking about it you don't have to worry about a falcon attacking you from the back room. Don't have to worry about a falcon attacking <laughs> me in the back room. Um, I will say this though: I, I am, you know, the the things that I'm most excited about not having to do anymore. I am so excited to never have to do another fucking video game trade in again in my life. You, you just didn't like to negotiate those, or you know, it wasn't. You could always have bad ones. You know, you could always have situations that went poorly. Um, but really the last year of I was kind of I was ready to kind of leave Luna, you know, a few years ago. And then uh, especially with the pandemic and everything like that, um, you know, Treg put together that fundraiser for the employees. He found us hours. He got us health insurance and, um, you know, really made sure that we were taken care of during that time. So it was easy to stick around once covid began again but once things opened back up um we're now living in a in a very different world uh and i'm sure people in all customer service fields will say this that things have just been vastly different since the reopening people have gotten way touchier but every 
every trade in has become this very delicate balance of back and forth. And they always feel like they're just seconds away from going south. And it's tough because I want to give, you know, people want a lot of money and we pay people a lot of money, but a lot of people are selling off this stuff because COVID has completely wiped out their finances and destroyed so many people's banks, bank accounts that it just got something that was, that could always go tense now became starts tense. tense. Yes, exactly. It doesn't become tense. Every transaction starts on like a five out of 10 instead of a one out of 10. Because now this is, this is, is the next one. This is money. People need to live. This isn't, I found this in my garage. Oh, sick. You're going to give me a hundred bucks. I've got beer for a couple weeks. This is, I need, money to live i need money to pay rent and um i got tired of it and 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 i i say this truthfully and honestly uh treg's buyback prices throughout all of COVID have been extremely generous especially the uh n64 buyback prices there were multiple multiple times where he was offering like 70 bucks for an n64 um wow yeah okay and i mean because we were selling them and we were selling them for 120 but i mean people you know, people. So early on, people were very, very appreciative. But as time went on and these things started to get more and more expensive, it wasn't so much Treg was trying to get stock in. Now people were looking at it as thinking, well, this is what I should be paid for it. Um, sure. And we've got to make profit. You know, there's only. Got to pay employees, you got to keep the lights only, on. We got to yeah, make overhead. a profit margin somewhere. It's capitalism. So it got sad. It got sad, and I was very stressed out. I started every day extremely stressed out. There were you never told me this stuff before. It's the first time you told me. There were many, many days where I woke up and my stomach just hurt, and I didn't want to go in. And Treg and I even talked about that. He's like, "Dude, it's he's like he's like I understand. It's tough, you know." Because now now you're thinking, because now it's feeling more like a freaking pawn shop, and people are desperate. That's what you mean. Yeah, that's exactly what it kind of came down to, and. Uh, you know, I'd get so stressed out that I wouldn't really enjoy seeing the regulars anymore because customers would come in and like, they're nice people. But if I'm like, if I, if a regular comes in and I don't want any regular who maybe thinks this is them to get upset, but if a regular comes in, there's already that, well, you're always happy to see them, but they're probably going to be talkative. How are you feeling about being talkative at that point in time? You know, it's not like calling up a friend where you both kind of mutually agree. Okay, sure. we're going to talk to each other. You feel obligated right, to talk. You feel about. obligated to talk. Sure. That's not a bad thing at work. I mean, that's just part of a job when you're in customer service. You are obligated to talk. So when a regular comes in, you know, you might not always be as happy to see them as you were two weeks ago when you saw them. But it's still better than seeing a non-regular. Sure. What sucked was... Post COVID, in these high stress times, these regulars coming in, and you want to like have a conversation with them. You want to like chat with them and be nice, but you're fucking burnt out. You're exhausted. You've got nothing to say. I guess, and it, I, it I, just it get it got it gets tough. It got tough. It's interesting. You didn't bring this stuff up before. You didn't have to, but I haven't been to the store in years, so yeah. I, I I would not have seen the, the change. You know, the past couple of years. If there was, if there was in terms of not talking, I, I really need to get this out there too. I don't talk a lot. I don't. I, I do this podcast and I do another podcast. And I feel like as I get older, I feel like I have less and less to say. And I'm totally happy just not talking about anything that's personal, <laughs> which is weird. But I don't. I, 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 my friend. I know. But Are even you? my friends, I, sure. you know, I, I, I'm, I've become more quiet as I've gotten older. So, yeah. Anyway, I mean. Oh, but the, the, right, to put, to put, a, put a cap on this. Yeah. I mean, so you, so you had a 15 year run, which is a. That's a long. That's like what Pat Math, like forty percent of your life, something like that. Yeah, 30, man, it's nuts. It's, it's a lot. 
Um, yeah, 15 year run. Um, like I said, responsible for a lot of the good in my life. Um, responsible the past few years for a lot of the stress in my life, but that's over now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still going to shop there. As a matter of fact, I've got to go in this weekend and, uh, pick up something that came in the day after my last day that I've been waiting to come in. Um, wow. Uh, so I'm going to be there this weekend. Maybe once this all clears up, we can do another appearance. We can do a, a little, that can be fun. Yeah. And do I think, it. you know, anyone who's been in San Diego, who's shopped there, you know, Treg is still there. Uh, the guy who's replacing me, Sawyer is Treg's brother. He's really great, really friendly, very dryly funny and awesome to talk to. Um, you know, support it, you know, just cause I'm not there anymore. doesn't mean that Luna's not there, but it's going to be weird. And for those who are going to ask about the good old segment, uh, Tales from the Game Store? No, probably not, because there's just not a lot of oil left in that well. I was saying to Pat, uh, you know, yesterday, he asked, well, you know, you haven't done one in a couple of years. When I say I checked out the past year, I, I really did. Maybe if I'm sitting around and I'm thinking, you know, stories will come back to me. Uh, but I just, uh, my goal the past couple of years was to get to work, get through the day, and get home. And I did not try to actively yeah. remember much you, of any of you it. You need time to breathe. Yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna need a little like a, some months to be like, okay, I gotta separate out from that. Right. So it's a big deal when you when you quit a job from that long. I didn't have a 15 year job, but when I quit my day job, I I took several months sure. to recover. You remember how long yeah. to recover? Yeah, it's gonna be a few that. months before I, I, I yeah. feel on top. It's 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 part of the reason why I'm not doing COVID concerns are one, but it's part of the reason why I'm not really doing any of the conventions this fall. Is like I've got a new job. I'm training to take on a you know a title in. January. I, I want to get used to the new job without King having, Ian? Yeah. <laughs> without having a to new like, title. A new position. Oh. Um I want to settle into my life a little bit because it's just so drastically different now than, sure. than it was. All right. Well, you know, it was nice to walk in and see I should have came in the last day. I should, I probably should have just said hi to you, but it's fine. I haven't been I haven't been since like eight two thousand eighteen at least. I don't think I've been there. Well, it's it's weird. I mean, stock-wise right now, you could walk in on a Monday and be incredibly disappointed and then come in on a Tuesday and find everything you need. Like because all the good stuff gets bought up so quickly that like we we either have lots or nothing. Okay, one last thing. Outside of the NWC car, what was the most memorable trade-in ever that My favorite trade-in, uh this is actually one that I can answer. My favorite trade-in was the um old guy who came in this would have been at the la mesa location and sold me uh two vectrexes um one of them boxed complete uh uh, the 3d uh, imager 3d imager and what was i think one or two games shy not Mm -hmm. counting like mr boston one or two games shy of a complete vectrex game set all complete in the box with their um overlays and the reason i remember it is because he was uh incredibly friendly um very nice uh he had a i can't remember what it was there was like an lcd game in there that he gave me he was like oh i'm not going to take this home to sell it you can just have it i was like thanks um but the story behind it was cute i was like i was like why do you have and he had uh, doubles of some of the games too i was like why do you have two vectrexes and i was like oh because, like I said, this was an old man. Yeah. A, 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 an elderly individual. He was, like, in his mid to late 70s. And he's like, oh, 
Well, I was into technology when I was, you know, uh, you know, uh, in my youth. He's like, and I worked in technology, and so did my wife. And I got a Vectrex, and we both loved it. And my wife and I used to argue all the time over who would get to play the Vectrex. So uh, that one's mine, and that one's That's hers. Great. And we had a long coffee table. He's like, and we had comfortable chairs at either end of the coffee table. And he's like, we just sat at opposite ends with our Vectrexes. Wow. And he's like, and with games in the middle. And it was just, I mean, it's, it's, good. it's, it's simple, but it's like my favorite trade-in story. Very cute. I wish I got it chance to get some of those also by 84 as an aside they were starting to clear out the vectrex stuff i think were, so if you, if you didn't get them up to that point it was probably they're probably a lot cheaper yeah after the crash but well you know thanks for sharing that you know it's very very yeah. poignant and nice. i'm proud of you buddy thanks I'm proud of you i appreciate it i'm gonna i'm gonna miss our two-hour conversations about we used to have pre-podcast with you where you're like when is this guy gonna fucking leave and get out of the store yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what my, uh, you know, my knowledge is of of, of third of like AAA games at this point because a lot of my knowledge comes from that. On I get a lot of video game news from Twitter, but I mostly follow indie stuff. Um, it was already getting to the point at Luna where like someone would trade in a game, and I'd be like, oh, I guess this game got released. Like, go. and I I wouldn't know about that it, stuff until something at Luna tipped me off about it. So I have a feeling I'm going to get a lot less knowledgeable about your, your price expert- expertise on retro stuff is going to plummet. Yeah, that's that's mine actually... has the past years, but like I try to keep up, but like yours is going to be gone. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I might try to keep up just because it's not a bad skill to have. Uh, but I mean, I could also walk away from it for a while and not really care. Just walk away. All right, Ian, we got a we got a uh, Patreon, don't we? Patreon.com slash CU podcast. You go, you pay, you get. Sorry, you have not gotten the past two weeks of writing my writing. Uh, my life. You did one like busy. nine days ago. Nine days ago. Yeah, it was nine days ago. You're overdue. Okay. But I'm overdue. Uh, tomorrow. Um, you also get a full video podcast. You get... Now uh, you're going to get a bonus! You're going to get a bonus Patting podcast. Exclusive. You can, depending on the tier. Uh, so yeah. We're going to record I the first the one uh, this, this week. This Saturday. This Saturday. And you get to hang out now with maybe both of us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're changing it up for, for 2021. Up. And you get a poll top you vote on. In second place! Should Pat Ian avoid controversial topics? Twenty seven percent, and that doesn't mean if you if that wins, we will. That just means we just, we we talk about the discussion of controversial topics. We'll be like, no, that means I can't talk about them. And in the first place, seventy percent. Are there ethics involved in getting expensive games for a good price? Uh, and this is on this is on the heels as Ian ponders that of there was a, a video put out on YouTube by these people, I guess, that help out. Uh, clean out uh, people's houses, like hoarders' houses, and people, I guess, that have passed away. And they found a ton of old video games, mostly stuff from the 2000s, but there was some 90s stuff in there as well. And a lot of those were sealed games. And they and they um, they were locked away. It was like a, like an attic or a weird room where it's a hoarders' house. There's shit everywhere. But there was like boxes of games, and a lot of them were sealed. Some are going back. Uh, some are GameCube stuff. Uh, 360 stuff, but some are from the 90s as well. And then, uh, according to them, they they valued them at around uh, um, 100,000 US is what the, the value was put on these at. 100,000. And at the end of the video, I didn't watch the whole video, but I watched the end. They have all, they, they basically got all the video game stuff out of these people. I think it was someone that passed away and it was like their relatives that said, okay, help us clean out and we'll give whatever. And then the person didn't know what the prices were on this stuff. This this older guy or guy in his fifties is like, all right, give me like eight hundred bucks for all this. It was like tubs of games. If you find the video, Ian, and look at it. And then what people got upset about me a little bit was that 
this stuff was obviously worth a hell of a lot more than eight hundred dollars. I mean, like even if you had no knowledge of stuff, we're talking uh, you know hundreds of games. Like a lot. they said, oh, give us like for like four hundred bucks, and they started haggling it down from eight hundred. And that's what I think set some people off when it came to that. It's like, not that you're taking advantage necessarily of this people's situation, but it's like, you know you're getting an extremely good deal. You know a lot of these games are like big hits. Some are sealed. This is not a small amount of money what these are worth. And so that brought us to talk about this because like we had this conversation years in the past. And obviously I go to the flea market. I try to find deals. I try to haggle. But what is the ethical line when it comes to haggling in price negotiation on stuff like this? It's it's blurry. Um, I mean, I'll tell you that. I think it's a it's a good topic because I really think it's going to hey, be. What is... By the way, that this is from Cheap Finds Gold Mines channel. There ah. you go. Um, I think it. That's me playing it. Really depends on the situation, and I think it also depends on where your what your position is in the in the transaction. Um, so, I think. If you go to a store, you go to a place like, say, Luna Video Games, two locations, uh, or a Goodwill, um, but a, a place like Luna, and, and I, I'm saying this as a person who, who has slipped on it before, um, if you go to a store and you find a game for cheap that is supposed to be very expensive, you buy that. You buy that and you walk out of that store with a deal and a sale that you never would have expected to happen. Um, my feeling behind that is this is that place's business. This is their business. This is what they have decided to get into to make money. Uh, I feel at that instance, it is the store's responsibility to do the due diligence on their games and their prices and to make sure that they are going out for the um, the amount that they should. Uh, I, I say grab a deal because any store that you shop at is going to price certain things higher than they should because of popularity. They're going to price plenty of things where they should. If you're a regular at a store and you've been buying for a long time and they slip on something, you've been giving them a lot of money. They're going to learn better next time. Um, I kind of feel the same way for thrift stores. Um, they've priced it those places are full of treasure if you get something for a good deal you get it um however in an instance like i think if you are at a garage sale and it's a couple of grandparents selling stuff and they've got i don't know you know an nes and a great chunk of games and they've got you know and say there's something really worthwhile in there mm-hmm. and they're asking 20 Throw another 20 on top of it. You still, you still know you're getting a good deal. You're still getting a good deal. Throw another 20 on top of it. You don't have to be like, and I realize that this is, this is like I said, where it gets dicey. You don't have to be like, this game you've gotten here is worth 100 on its own. Mm-hmm. But just be like, hey, I wanted to let you guys know that this is worth a little bit more than you think. I'm happy to take it. Throw a couple extra bucks in there. Um, I also think in an instance like the, uh, the one that brings it up, I think if you are offered an extremely fair price at the start, you don't haggle that. And that's where, that's, that's where I I feel a little bit more, 
confident in in having a stance. You don't yeah. fucking haggle it down. There was, I mean, this was this was a, a, a sixteen hundred would have double the, this is the initial tr- price. This was a truck bed full of yeah. video games. Double the initial got. price. Sixteen hundred yeah. would have been a fucking steal. Um, I'm not saying in this instance you necessarily have to give more. But don't try to fucking haggle down from what you already know is an extraordinarily yeah. fair asking price because it just makes you look cheap and shitty. Yeah, and, the fa- and then that's what they got pushed back on on the video. I uh, mean, I I I, I want to make sure that it's clear that I, while I do think there are instances where it doesn't hurt to throw a little bit more money, I don't think you're an awful person if you go to a flea market and you get something for very cheap that should be expensive. Like I said, people do have a responsibility to do their due diligence on what they're selling. Sure. There are instances where I, yes, I would personally feel guilty, but in this instance, no, that was wrong. There's no reason to try to haggle down from 800 to 400. Yeah, I, 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 I sort of fall in the same path. If you know you're getting a great deal on something where it's like, if this, I mean, if, if that valuation is correct, they paid 1%, less than 1% of the price. I, I mean, at that point, I mean, I, we all like to save more money, but if you, if they're going to end up selling stuff. These aren't collectors. These right. people, they're going to end up selling stuff and make a huge profit. Help out the family. That's all. Like, like you're right when it comes to that. Um, it's interesting because we all like to get deals on stuff, whatever it is. We all haggle on stuff. I haggled on this house. I sure. I, I saved two thousand on getting my Honda. Uh, my, my Honda. I am not haggling. above haggling at a, I mean, at a flea market to get a deal. Yeah. Don't ever do it in a fucking retail store, but at a flea market, I'm absolutely, so, it's sorry. the name I'm, of the game. I'm sorry Ian, for doing that for the Ducktales too. No, I didn't haggle on that. I gave him a good deal, but that's part of what. It's, it's part of the charm, but also part of getting, I guess, a good deal. That's why you go out to the flea market at 7 in the morning. Yeah. If I don't want to get up at 7 in the morning, I'll just buy it on eBay. Like, why am I wasting my Sunday then? Mm-hmm. Just, just to get, get my, in my daily constitutional? No. <laughs> we all want to get a good deal. It's, it's part of the hunt. It's part, it's, part of, it's part of the allure of collecting anything, not just video games, anything. People go out and search for toys. They search, search for old shoes. People collect vintage clothing. You see it all over the place. Yeah. It's not just that. I'm not denying that. And like I said, you again, know. I don't think you're bad if you don't do what I said I would maybe feel guilty about doing on occasion. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you're right. That is part of the allure of collecting is finding a set of things that you like, realizing that there is a natural uh, rarity to certain things in that collection mm-hmm. you like, and then finding those rare things, not just finding them, but finding them for a good price. Yeah. It happens I mean, all that, the time. That, that's part of it. That, that's a large part of why people collect. Yeah. It's for that specific and, buzz. And, and for the people that have originally uh, bought it, that are selling it, whether they're people that own the stuff originally, a lot of them, not a lot of them, but some of them might be, be like, okay, I understand it's worth more, but it's a hassle. I just want to sell it. Why do you think I'm at a flea market? Why, right. why, why do you think they're not putting it up on eBay? Because it's not oh, yeah. worth their time and effort, even if they made more money. And some people will say that. It's like, yeah, I don't care. You know, it's like so the same reason why people some trading stuff to the to the game store and be like, okay, that's cool. It's a bonus. I don't expect to get that much, but it's a bonus. And those people always, those were the people that I always liked on trade ins. They the and you'd be surprised. A lot of people aren't that way. Um, so many people, you know, would come in and ask for, uh, you know. They'd be like, well, this is worth it. I'm like, well, sell it. And they're like, well, that's a pain. And okay, I'm like, well, well yes. I'm like, this, that's... Convenience cost. Congratulations. Yes. You just figured it out. It's convenience you cost. Make there more, it is. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you tend to get more the more you have to put into something. People go to the flea market to unload stuff for cash. It's convenience. And they're not getting top dollar for everything. They shouldn't expect it because it's convenience of unloading it. Right. Again, it's also for cash. Again, now it's my responsibility to sell this for full price. You don't have to sit online. You don't have to deal with missed calls or people blowing off appointments on Craigslist. It's simple. Taking pictures for eBay, right? Dealing with the account stuff, PayPal, 
boxing stuff up, going to the post office, buy your disputes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then plus it's all taxed versus cash. Yeah. You know, when cash it, in your a flea hand. market. So like, yeah, there's that aspect as well. And so, so I think my line is this. Do not be deceptive. That's all my life. Yeah. Do not be deceptive. Don't. There are some ethics to me when it comes to, to these practices, whether it's called it capitalism or not. Do not be deceptive. At that point, you lose your soul. You don't say stuff like, oh, you know, this isn't worth that much. Yeah, you know it is. it is. Right. You don't don't you do don't, that. You don't say, you don't say, um, you don't, you don't try to take people for a ride. Right. Don't be a fucking asshole. Keep your mouth shut. You see a good deal. Keep your mouth fucking shut. In all things, you know? honesty. Yeah. That's it. Try to be a better person overall. I mean, if it's, if it's really worth it for you to get an extra 20 bucks off and have to lie about it, that, is that 20 bucks worth, worth the part of your integrity? To some people, it is. Right. Some people don't have that. And that's where it is. Don't lie about it. Don't lie like, oh, no, this is really not worth much. And it's like. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Just be like, okay, you found a good deal. Give the person their money. Don't make them feel like shit. Or don't. Don't put a question in their head to be like later. Like, oh, does that person? Imagine if you did that to someone. Oh, this is really worth that much. And to try to get an extra five bucks, that person might be like later. I'm gonna look that up. Then they realize I got taken for a fucking ride by that asshole. Now you just ruined their day because you wanted to save five ten bucks. Just don't be that person. Right. We all want a deal. Just don't be a piece of shit when it comes to it. But collectors, a lot of collectors are assholes in all aspects of those video games. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it's a it's a, a mentality. It's a good way for a a morally ambiguous person to fully commit to the dark side, because yeah. once you get into it, the person with morals is going to, like I said, just be honest in all these things, and then the person who's not is that's going to be the person who goes up to the you know who uh, it's going to be those people. It's going to be a person who goes to the uh, garage sale and instead yeah. of realizing that there's a good deal there. Uh, is going to be like this isn't worth anything, and you know, trying then, to get it for half that, even though it's worth five times the amount that it they priced case, it at. fifty times or whatever it is. Um, and then they try to justify it, saying, "Well, if it wasn't us trying to do that, they would have thrown it in a dumpster." It's like that doesn't excuse the behavior. No. It's, it's so so they get a bad option or, or no option. It's like only four hundred bucks for that stuff. After I mean, you, you should just take the eight hundred dollars here, eight hundred bucks. Yeah. We're happy, happy to do it. Give them a crisp thousand and no say, one, keep the change. No one had. I know there's not a thousand. <laughs> this is a thousand dollar bill. There's probably there used to be all those big bills. I think there, there used still, to be, but not. Yeah, there isn't anymore. That's the only. That's the only thing that was weird about that video. But glad they got. Glad they. I glad they. They got their stuff there. Uh, Ian, we got. We got to listen to voicemails. We do. Anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. You can leave us a, a, a quickie, and uh, we'll get back to you within a, a reasonable time. Yeah, we try. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is James from Hudson, Ohio. Huge fan of the podcast. Thanks for all you do. It really means a lot to me. Uh, this is a question primarily for Ian. Uh, do you have any suggestions for somebody hoping to get into vinyl? I've been trying to find an affordable setup out there, but frankly, there's so many options. It's just a bit overwhelming. Thanks so much. Um, I let that one slip through. <laughs> I think Audio-Technica's current line of direct drive, or probably even the belt drive turntables, are... Uh, good. I've had multiple friends get them. They enjoy them. Uh, if you wanted to look into something, uh, and, and those can be had for, I mean, fairly reasonable. You're still looking at some money, but, uh, you know, uh, they're not out of, out of the realm of possibility. Um, uh, if you want to look into something vintage, I always like pioneer. I would always suggest looking at a pioneer turntable. Uh, I like Ankyo. I like Ankyo. I like that name. 
Ankyo. Yeah, I remember them. My, my, 15 years I've had my, my receiver. Still works fine. My Ankyo. I think stuff. my dad had an Ankyo turntable at one point. Ankyo, they're, they're robust, aren't they? The company? No. As far as uh, records, um, find your localist, most localist record shop and localist? go there frequently. Constantly look through the used bin. Um, if they're a good record shop, they'll have used new arrivals and check that as much as you can. Uh, records are getting expensive these days. Um, they are worth a good amount of credit at a good record store. Always, always, always check the used trade-ins. God, do I even own any uh, vinyl? I'm trying to think if I own like, even anything. Frank obviously has some. Hey, Pat and Ian, first time, long time. <laughs> so with the time that has passed since the release of the Nintendo 64, do you think it's finally time for Nintendo to have a classics collection for the Nintendo Switch, uh, a la the SNES and NES classics? Also, what is your favorite game that absolutely pisses you off, but you still find yourself having to come back to it anyway? I don't think I come back to any games that piss me off. I don't think I do. No, I, I, um, I, I don't. I don't play things that make me angry. However, shooters can get me a little rumbly grumbly. Uh, okay. but, but it's a good kind of anger. It's the type of anger where it's like, I want to go one more time. I want to beat it. First person uh, shooter? No, just like shoot em ups. Oh, shoot em ups. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, that's probably the closest. I mean, shoot em ups will definitely get to a point where I'm like, all right, I'm done for the day. They're very hard. They're meant to be. And I always go back to them, but I don't get like actual, like detrimentally angry at them. So does this person mean N64 like mini or they meant like N64 I think they meant, Switch? I think they meant like an N64 mini. Um, but I think Nintendo realized. There's no money in that compared to what they're doing now. Yes. Spend fifty bucks on a controller that cost us five bucks to manufacture, and then we'll just charge you five bucks more. I for, never for said it, game. but I think by the, I, I think by jumping directly to the digital, I don't think we'll ever see a no. sixty four mini. No, it's not worth yeah. the production line. It's Remember. not worth the R and D. It's not worth any of that when they can just throw a bunch Mate. of ROMs up online for five bucks, Remember, or ten bucks. Reggie Fizeme admitted we did the N sixty. Uh, they did the NES Classic because they had nothing going on that. Winter 2016 before the Switch. There was they nothing. needed something to sell for they Christmas. nothing to sell. Yeah. It was dead for Nintendo that holiday season. And that game, they sold a few million of those, and that gave them a shot in the arm over the next year. And then the Super Nintendo one, they probably said, well, we made them, and this is before Switch Online, obviously. They're like, uh, well, we need to, we, we, we need something else to make money, because there was always a huge amount of games out for the Switch in late 2017. We made a ton of money off this. Let's do the natural progression. But yeah, they weren't going to do an NC4 after that. I think I think they realize this is this is isn't our business to sell these trinkets. They, we 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 sell video games, not a fucking trinket box filled with video games. If that makes sense, sure. And, you know, so the, so the online they make their money. It's just, it's smart business to do that. They deal with manufacturers and bullshit. Hey Pat and Ian, this is John from Seattle, Washington. Love the podcast. Uh, two questions to Ian. Um, I know that you noticed if you talked about um, Killer Seven. Uh, it's one of my favorite games. Uh, I was just wondering if you played any other Grasshopper games um, that you and that you really enjoyed. Uh, so um, I have no idea what these are. I did not like Shadows of the Damned as much as I had hoped. I never played Killer Must Die. Um, I have played uh, Flower Sun Rain a little bit, and I like it as obtuse as it is. I have Silvercase, but I have not played that yet. Um, I have played No More Heroes 1. I love it. I still have to play 2 and 3. Uh, in general, I tend to be like 50-50 on Suda 51 stuff, but I, I, I admire what he does. I think he's creative. I think he does good stuff. I just don't think all of it's, it, not all of it sticks for me. But I'm glad someone's out there doing weird games. 
Hey guys, it's Richard from Pittsburgh. We met at Too Many Games in 2016, and huh. that was cool. Anyway, I had a little question about some weird trend I've noticed over the last few years. I'm in a lot of PS1 groups, and it seems fairly common for people to get big into collecting, buy up a small library, including some heavy hitters, and some things that they think of are as uh, hidden gems. They start talking about variants in the group, start talking about little details they notice that they think others might have missed. Soon they come off as at least somewhat knowledgeable before they start offloading their collection. Like six months later, they're offloading their whole collection. Have you noticed this kind of trend? And what do you think about it? Thanks. Yes, I saw it all the time at Luna. All the time. Uh, someone gets into collecting and it becomes their thing. And these people, uh, there was a kid, actually, uh, I think you knew him as well. Um, there was a, a kid who used to come to uh, Luna all the time and was constantly looking for all the heavy hitters, constantly bragging about the heavy hitters he got. Uh, he was around for about three years. And then uh, my last I heard, he had sold everything and just vanished just stopped. Um, I've seen a lot of people do that. They think it looks great. They get into it. And, and this is not just video games. I think this is a lot of hobbies. People, uh, they don't dip their toes in and test the water first to see if something is going to be for them. They jump into it. They, uh, you know, like you said, they buy all the heavy hitters. Uh, so like, you know, for someone getting into PlayStation, they're going to jump in and they're going to start buying all the Square Enix RPGs. That's what they're looking for. Or someone who's jumping into record collecting is going to start, I don't know, trying to find all the greatest Beatles albums in perfect shape and Bowie and stuff like that. You know, the first prints. And I think they just go so hard on it. They spend so much money on it. Um, it's almost like an OCD thing. I think. Yeah, it is. And Once they're in it, they got to get everything real quick. They're out. And I've seen and people who do that. um, Again, I'm not trying to make a judgment call or, or say anyone's bad. It's OCD. But, but people who I mean, do this, uh, they yeah. tend to do it with a lot of other yes. hobbies, too. I, I saw it. I saw it with someone I knew. This was uh, 15... Every two years, it's a different hobby that is their yep. big thing, and it's going to oh, no. be their thing oh, forever. Yeah. I saw it with someone in Jersey. They did it with, believe it or not, back then they were a lot cheaper overall gaming watches. Wanted to get every single Nintendo gaming watch, which was like dozens and dozens. And, and the thing is, while those things are expensive now, they've never been cheap. They never were cheap. So the hard to find ones, like the Zelda ones 15 years ago was like only probably 15, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Now it's hundreds. But like the hard to find ones were expensive still. So this person within a year got like the vast majority of them, like got within like a handful and might have done it, then sold them off within a year. Like you spent. You got this beautiful collection, all this stuff. Now it's it, now we're just selling it off. There's a lot more people like that than you think. They get into it, it's completed. Now what? Now I got the stuff. What do I do with it? Yeah, and that goes back to stuff I had said, you know, earlier in the uh, Luna topic. It's um, happens. It's uh, it, it's people who don't who collect things because they like they like the feeling the, of collecting things. They like the numbers game of yes. collecting. They don't they, like the thing they're collecting necessarily. They like the feeling of collecting. collecting. They like the feeling of collecting, not the thing that they're buying. Hey, Pat and Ian, love the show. Thank you. What has been the most rage you've committed from losing in a video game? I once flipped over my mattress after losing my internet connection during a WoW dungeon run. Thanks. Most rage. I have mine. I really don't. I just stop playing games when I get mad. I, I, I've never... I have threw a controller once, but it was because a game scared me. Um, okay, that's... But I have never, I have never like thrown a controller or like kicked a console. I, 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 hurt, I, I've, I've just, I've never I, done it. I hurt my tricep, which hurt 
for many years until I got in there and dug it out. Worms Armageddon. Play, playing it online <laughs> you were talking about that with me last week. Uh, it was soft, sophomore year of college, so I was like, you know, 19 going on, 20, whatever. Did it in front of my, 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 my roommate, Rocco, who was a great swimmer. Thought it was crazy. I, I slammed this down on the table, and I, I mean, like, damaged my oh, tricep no. muscle. Buddy. And it was hurting for a long time until I finally, I mean, the past three, four, or five years, started, I mean, really getting a deep massage in here, and that really helped it. Massage works, by the way. If you never, the massage fucking is great. Um, yeah, Worms Armageddon, playing competitively. It was ranked. Oh. But, but the worst thing, worst thing about Worms is that it's so unique because it's not really real time. And you see it happen, but like it's back and forth. So it's, you, 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 you see your death coming in 30 second chunks, basically. That's what's so frustrating about it. It is. It's, and then we, yeah, you and, know, you, you know when you're in a position that or, you can't really worm your way out of. Or you try to go up the rope and you screw it up with the ninja rope and it's like, oh my, like everything's on a, tr- like, on, on, it's something about worms that that's what did it versus, yeah. versus a first person shooter. Uh, let's see what we got next year. Hey, Pat and Ian, Bill here from Chicago. Uh, Chicago. You guys podcast. I listen to it every day. Uh, my question is, given everything that you guys know about the Omiko and television in terms of, you know, hardware, uh, graphics, uh, the controllers it comes with, the types of games that are going to be on it, uh, given everything you guys know, what do you think a realistic or, or fair price should be for it when, when it comes out to the market, if it ever comes out? Uh, what should the price tag say when it hits the market? I love to hear what you guys think. Uh, thank you, and uh, keep up the great work. What what it should cost if you're running a viable business and cared about your consumers and having a a like sort of a long tail on, on on your ecosystem of games, 150 bucks at most. I mean, at yes. most. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I I don't know that this is possible, but this and I'm I'm echoing a sentiment that a, a, a friend of ours also shares. Um, I think honestly, if there was a way for this to have come out at a hundred bucks. This thing would do gangbusters over Christmas. Hundred bucks with like ten pack. Two games. controllers, ten packing games. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think it could have done well. Um, obviously, controllers got to be cheaper than what the hell they're trying to yeah, do. Yeah, uh, uh, and obviously, who knows? That probably can't be done. But I, 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 I we know that it doesn't have to be two hundred and fifty. Yes, we know. We that. absolutely we, know. We, it we know the profit need to be margin is insane. So uh, I think, I think one, I, I still think it would be an uphill battle for the Amico at one fifty because the Ouya at a hundred still had issues. Um, I don't think there's really. Once again, it comes down to they're trying to create a market that does not exist. I think my, I think I settled on like one twenty with like fifteen packed in games. This is like a year or two ago. I said it's like one twenty with fifteen packing games, but that's the only thing you're ever going to sell. Is that? Right. That's it. Maybe you have an online store to sell dollar games, but you make all your money off of that. So you give you're not killing them. You're giving them a good value at 120 bucks. You know, maybe you make you know 50 bucks on each each unit you sell, whatever. Sure. It costs you 60 bucks to reduce it. That's that was that's the plan. And you can sell tens of thousands of those yeah. and make a pretty good profit. Maybe a hundred thousand if you're lucky. If they went down that avenue, it would have been a totally different story. Selling, you know, mobile games or getting mobile games. Yeah, they could have done like a deluxe. Basically, they could have made a deluxe type plug and play. Yeah, or do like, or do like, do a plug and play where, well, here's the original in television games. Now here's all the reimagined ones. We're gonna buy ourselves a spot at E3 and pretend we're the big boys. Hi guys, I've been watching the podcast for a couple months, and every time I see Ian, I just think, wow, that looks like a guy who really likes to eat spaghetti and i've just been wondering 
for a long time. Every single time I watch an episode, Ian, do you do do you like spaghetti? And if so, why? Thank you very much. Hey, this is a critical critical question. This is one of my all-time favorite questions. This is the type of question that I wish we got more of. Um, I I do like spaghetti. I do, but I don't eat a lot of spaghetti. Me neither. Uh, it's not a preferred pasta. No, that's exactly it. I like I love pasta dishes. Spaghetti is not my preferred pasta. I saw a recent recipe for a spaghetti-based meal that I would like to try. Um, but I do uh, I do love a good red sauce and pasta. Meat sauce, uh, meatballs and sausage. Uh, whether uh, it's just Brajol. A, a simple pomodoro oh or sometimes the bolognese. Ah! They're all good. I do love we're, me a pasta and red we're sauce. We're three months away from Frank having his sister over and making the, the, the tons of meat sauce. you got to come over for one eventually. Frank's uh, epic meat sauce. Then he freezes it and you have her next three, four months after that. Fucking starving. Gotta remember Living the name faster. of the pasta that I love. A couple more. Yeah. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. This is Bill from Quakertown, Pennsylvania. Oh. Met you guys a couple years ago at uh, Too Many Games. Y'all guys signed my Ghostbusters DVD. So Anywho, spent the day at uh, Dorney Park in Wildwater Kingdom. Been there. And it got me wondering if you guys had any particularly favorite amusement parks and or thrill rides. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Uh, I think they, it's not there anymore. Waterworks in Seaside Heights was a great water park. There used to be Rainbow Rapids. There was one down the street. There was two in Seaside Within blocks of the Rainbow Rapids was great. Then uh, Waterworks with their Great Lazy River is that still there? I think they might have been bought out. That, that was my favorite stuff. I, my parents never took me to like. I never been to the land of make believe. Uh, obviously, okay, Bowcraft, which is like the was like the low rent one off Route Twenty Two, Scotch Plains, New Jersey. Shout out to everyone in Scotch Plains in that area. And then never went to Great Adventure. Always wanted to go to Great Adventure. Never went. Um. Being from the Northeast, uh, I was within, I mean, close enough distance to go to Cedar Point a few times. Love Cedar Point. Uh, tons and tons of roller coasters there. I was a huge roller coaster junkie uh, in my teens and in my early 20s. Um, so Cedar Point was excellent. Uh, growing up in Buffalo, I went to Canada's Wonderland a lot. Um, and then we had Darien Lake, which uh, has... Uh, Darien Lake got got better over the years. I, I, I honestly stopped paying attention to it. I don't know if they've added any new rides. Um, but yeah, I do love roller coasters. Um, I love the tall ones, the fast ones, the ones that go upside down. There's basically nothing a roller coaster can do that I would be too afraid to try, which is funny because there are lots of simple fair and carnival rides that I will not go on. Uh, it's now Breakwater Beach Water Park in Seaside. Waterworks was a great name. Well, someone bought it. All right, we'll do uh, we'll do uh, we'll do two more. Hey, fellas, this is Rodney from Asheville, North Carolina, and I kind of wanted to take a little time to invite you fellas out oh. if you're ever in Western North Carolina oh. and you want to hit up either the Asheville Pinball Museum or the Appalachian Pinball Museum in Hendersonville. Let me know. Um, I will. That leads me to my question, which is mostly for Ian, but Pat, if you want to throw in okay. your two I'm cents, here I'm here to hear it. I have some value. Um, if you could have your own pinball museum, what vintage and or modern cabinets and machines would you want included in that collection? All right, fellas, have a great day, and uh, take care. 
so you did this before, so you- we have. I mean, really, it's 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 hard to say it because I, in reality, I'd pretty much just want all the pinball machines I could get. However, I've always wanted to put all four uh, belly wide bodies side by side. Always wanted to do which, it. Which those four again? Uh, Hot Doggin, Embryon, uh, Paragon. One you have Space Invaders. I always feel like I'm missing. What's one. What's that workout one that used to be up? With? Oh, that's the that would be the next. That would be that's I actually like that the one. next one I want. Future Spa. Future that's a good spa. one. Yeah, there's five of them. I want all five. I of used those. to play it when, when they did those little competitions. I was decent at yeah. that one. Um, wide body Future pinball spa. is absolutely a different beast than normal pinball. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, I don't it's, like it it's, better. It's I don't think slower, it's worse. More technical game, but I, I I adore it and I love the big art. I I really want all of those. What do those run on average? Uh, honestly, they're probably among the cheaper pinball tables because they're like older them. and, uh, yeah, it's kind of a love or hate thing for people. Solid state stuff. People don't like as much. Uh, more the wide body. People like solid like, state. Okay. Uh, and we got, uh, we got someone else checking in here. Good day, gentlemen. <laughs> this is your good friend, Tommy. Just leaving a message for his holiness, Pat Contry, as Sir Ian Ferguson, the righteous. Because apparently, unlike you guys, I'm a very bad man who says really mean things. <laughs> yeah, that story about the driver, that was true. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm sorry, but if you think the person who did the music for Color a Dinosaur should have to talk to his driver, then whatever, man, sue me. But uh, sue me after the Amico comes out, please. Yeah, don't, don't sue me right now. That would not be good. But yeah, the only time I want a driver talking to me is if he's got one of those machines you got to hold up to your throat, you know, that makes you talk like a robot. That shit is classic. But if that doesn't apply to you, I'm going to need you to just drive the damn car and shit up. On a serious note, though, until you've walked a mile in my shoes, if you don't have something nice to say about me, just don't say anything at all. And fuck Undertale, bye. Wow. (laughs) Come on, Tommy. Tommy. Show some respect to Undertale there. Well, that was a fun one, wasn't it? That was a fun podcast. We're done with the podcast. We're done. I'm hot. I gotta go work. You gotta. Oh, this this wasn't work. It was work. It was. I mean, this is a fun podcast. I had fun. I told you the other week when we were talking. I actually don't mind. I enjoy doing this podcast. Oh, you don't mind? mind. You don't mind? It's a good time. It's like getting a dental cleaning. I don't mind it. Slow stress. All right. We'll see you later.